Welcome to Visionaries Global Media, your number one source for podcasting entertainment. Visionaries Global Media, envisioning excellence on a global scale. As the phoenix rises from the ashes, it's time to fly. Welcome back to another episode of the Phoenix Splash Podcast. I'm one of your humble hosts, Jason Cornelius Bell, JCB, one third of the band for Ringside Podcast, and my other humble host, Big Sexy himself. He got to go see Beyonce. God damn it, I'm so fucking jealous. Brett Jager, one half of the Brain Buster Boys. Brett. Tell me how was Beyonce? I saw the videos, but usually videos just oh. don't describe what I think I should be seeing. Tell me how was Beyonce? Because she looking good. Well, be- real quick before that, because you always tell me to tell you something good, yeah. and I had something planned this time. Because it's the most <laughs> wonderful time of the year. She won season, baby. It's tournament season, but yeah, baby. Beyonce was. <laughs> Beyonce was fucking incredible. Um, I was sixth row on the floor. Thank you so much to my friend Chris for the ticket hookup. Um, just being that close was powerful, amazing, an experience I'll never forget. Now, you know, I'm someone I wouldn't have even considered myself like a big Beyonce fan by any means. Like I dig her, but uh, it was definitely one of the best concerts I've ever been to, and I've been to plenty. That's so. what's up. It was unbelievable. No, that was gonna say. I saw, like I said, I saw the yeah. videos, saw the uh, sure. pictures. I was like, oh, it's almost like she's so touched. She's so cold. She can be touched. I could go to jail for some seats like that. So yeah, that, I'm glad I wasn't even there for that right. episode. <laughs> All right. So obviously we <laughs> yeah, have. It was, uh, it was good. Good stuff. Yeah, Jesus, I'm so jealous. Obviously, we have ground to cover since our last episode. Um, Brett so gently reminded me that it's been about a month since we recorded last. So we have a lot of buffet items on the table. We're going to start off with a little G1. We're going to go through, not the, the whole nights, but we're going to do it block by block. We're going to start A block first and obviously work our way down, talk about the individuals versus going through night by night. We're going to jump over to stardom, talk about the first nights of the five-star grand prix like i said it's tournament time baby it's he's saying it before we, we, we brett no, not brett but um bill sang it last week talking about the g1 and i'm laughing because you singing the same fucking song that he sang on band from ringside so like i said i gotta keep you motherfuckers from ever meeting this that would be like the apocalypse of the planet if that ever would happen <laughs> Um, we're going to jump to <laughs> Noah and talk about Kento Miyahara and Nakajima in a really? lights out, uh, instant classic, no DQ. Yeah. I was gonna, let's, let's just get it. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I gave it five stars too. So we can talk about that. And then we're going to jump over to DDT because Brett really had a, a hankering on Despy. I guess it was last night or the night before. We had a quick conversation about Desperado and what could be on the future for him. So we're going to talk about a couple of DDT matches to close out the show. 
So, with I guess we, there's nothing else for me mm. to fuck around with. No need to belabor the points. Uh, Shingo, Let's get into it, baby. Talk to me, baby. Stark, stark, stark. <laughs> All right. So obviously we're going to talk a little yeah. New Japan first. We're going to go back to Independence Day. Not talk about the entire show, but talk about this guy in particular who's stood out in both the first and second nights and then we're going to end up talking about him later on in the DDT segment because it feels like El Desperado was everywhere in the front part of July and these two independent day nights were two standout nights so let's just jump right into it uh, we can go night one first obviously the night one main event had Moxley and Homicide versus the aforementioned Desperado and June Kasai. This was basically a no DQ, anything goes match. And it was pretty tame until June brought out a knife that you would only, I wouldn't even call it a knife. It felt like a machete at this point. He brought out a machete that only you see in horror films where my other friend, Jason Voorhees, would be running around with said machete. He took that joker and sliced, I think it was Moxley, right across the forehead. I was like, oh, okay, so this is how we do it. (laughs) Oh, my God, damn. It was all tame until that point, and for me... And as a non-death match guy, there this was getting a, a little squeamish at certain points. Yeah, but it was a little tough to watch at t- like that. Like you said, that kind of kicked it off. We're like, oh my god, okay, here we go. Yeah, it's just kind of like, oh, okay, so we just not even going, you know, toy with the, you know, tease of the, you know, I'm gonna cut the, nah, we just gonna get over here. I was like, oh shit, all right, we'll go rip the bandaid off. But nonetheless, I thought this was entertaining on both sides. I gave it four and a quarter stars for the match itself Despy June Kasai go over in a absolute bloodbath I'm just and the machete was just the the tip of the iceberg we're talking tables broken glass the whole shebang I'm sure there's things that I probably forgot about that was used in that match as well wasn't there a a fork board a fork board. it was one of the two matches there was a fork board maybe the razor blade board I, it's been a while and they both kind of ran together but it was some pretty sick shit however how about that fucking pop for june kasai and his new japan debut that was, that, that was, was yeah i was gonna say go ahead go reminded ahead. me of that tag match from all Japan, I showed you. Mm. Kobashi, Kobashi Kikuchi versus wasn't quite to that. Your whole shit, show. this is on chance. It was just a completely different feel for New Japan shows that we're used to. And again, that crowd went fucking nuclear for June Kasai, and it was just really, really cool to see. No, I, I was not even sure what kind of reception he was going to get. And like you said, it was way bigger than I anticipated. The, they were, the fans were just more invested in this match. Cause it's just something you usually don't see in new Japan. Um, like I said, it was just a little squeamish at points, but hey, I knew we had something else to look forward to, and that was night two that went just a little longer than night one, 
night two, Moxley and Despy straight up, basically same match, went 20-33. Uh, the tag team match to close out night one went 18-34. So basically, same running time. And I won't say the same match because this, this one was, this started outside of the ring first, and then they got back into the ring, and then that's when all kinds of hell broke loose. I gave this one four and a half. Um, wait, hang on. Let me look at my writing. No, four seven five. I apologize. Four seven five. I'm my handwriting's bad. Um, it was just off from being five star. It was just probably a little too squeamish for me at certain points. So that's probably probably couldn't give it that little quarter star. That's just me. If anybody else gave it five stars, God bless you for it. I ain't mad. This was just once again, I guess going back to the initial point of why I played Desperado's music over everybody else, including the G1, is Brett had a conversation now. Well, he and I had this conversation about the future of Desperado. Where is he going to go? Is this the time where he can start being moved up to the heavyweights and start dealing with seeing him in the G1 versus other people that we're going to talk about coming up here in a little bit. I'll let you take the floor on it because you, you, you kind of jumped on Please. it and uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I'll let you speak on it. I'll just set you up. Go ahead. Yeah. Firstly, I went four and a half on the tag match and also four, seven, five on the mock uh, Desperado. And yeah, I mean, let's just be honest since Cope, since new Japan came back from COVID, I think El Desperado is one of the MVPs. He has elevated himself to a level well beyond where he was. I remember it. Holy shit. And then the next year in the New Japan Cup, he fought Okada and what I had at five stars. And he's just becoming such a star that I feel. And these two shows proved it. I mean, he's main eventing both nights against John fucking Moxley, who's as we know, one of the biggest stars in the world, holding his own, goes to DDT, semi-main event, one of their biggest shows of the year, Wrestle Peter Pan against Dice K. Sasaki for a whole boatload of tequila. We'll get into that later. Two but, battles, uh, baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was the, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> fuck him um, up. <laughs> but just the crowd, rea- the crowd reactions Desperado is getting outside of New Japan, in New Japan, it's just, I love the guy. He's so good, but he's just gotten to the point where he is just, he's one of the best. And I, I self in what that would look like. And, you know, I think Hiromu is another guy we've talked about in the past that, you know, could maybe make that jump. Both guys, you know, have accomplished pretty much everything you can. Hiromu especially. Despy has not won a best of the Super Juniors. That's why I thought he would win this year. But even still, I just think he is at a point right now where he's, again, not necessarily above the division, but he's just superseded the junior division in my mind. Like I said, these two performances proved it. Um, Yeah, just going toe-to-toe with Moxley. They had that match last year in Nashville that was a pretty similar match, but this one was just even better, even more intense. Again, with those crowds. Like those crowds, like I said, they made these two shows but two of the most entertaining shows of the mm, year. Yeah, for sure. Um, and also, you know, just kind of jumping around, Julia and Willow Nightingale. Mm-hmm. I absolutely loved their match. I went four and a half on that. The Bullet Club War Dogs. You know, this was really the first opportunity we got to see those guys. Now we're seeing them every night in the G1 wreaking havoc. But, <laughs> um, 
But specifically night one, the Clark Connors and Drilla fucking Maloney mm-hmm. uh, defeating Catch-22 was an incredible match. I think I went four and a quarter on that. Oh, wait, four um, and, then bo- and then both the uh, Coughlin and Kidd against Bishamon matches were really good. You know, they get the win night one for the strong championships, and then Bishamon comes back to get the do- get the dub in night two. I think I was probably four, four and a quarter stars on those. I can't remember exactly, but, um, yeah, just great, great stuff overall with these shows. You know, Alex Zane and Lance Archer teaming together. That was a fun team. They're here to come on everyone. You know, there was that tweet, like, we're going to come all over the world or something like that. Uh, what was their name? Murder Soft? Yes. Something like that. That's exactly what it is. Um, but just Eddie Kingston, you know, seeing Kingston. Kingston and Corican Hall, you know, the emotions for him going there. You know, that was such a big moment for him. Uh, um, and you could feel it when he beat Kenta. But, you know, Kenta brought it out, out of him, as a couple of folks have in the G1 that we'll get to. But... Just seeing Kingston in the hallowed halls of Cork and Hall, really taking it all in and winning his first New Japan Championship. Just some great, great shit overall with both these shows and just a real nice warm up for the G1, even though, you know, this is totally unrelated. You know, it's a lot of guys that aren't in it, but just, yeah, New Japan is just cooking on all cylinders. You know, we've declared it forever ago, they're back. Not going to say they're better than ever, but they're definitely better than everyone else right now, and it's frankly not even close in my book. No, I, I really like the Julia Willow match. Um, obviously, Will had the instant classic versus Athena at ROH uh, Death Before oh, yeah. Dishonor or whatever the case may be, but this was uh, for, what was it, 13 minutes or whatever the case may be. I thought this was a really good match, and it, it may be a precursor of uh, something that might happen down the line. You stole my thunder on Alex Zane and Lance Archer. That would been uh, I would love to see them going forward. And then, obviously, the two title changes on uh, night one, um, Dan Maloney and Carl Connors, and then, obviously, uh Kid and Coughlin taking the strong tiles away. Um, thought that was really smart. Obviously, we're getting ready to jump into the G1 here in 30 seconds, but I thought that was smart to at least get them as title holders. Bishop yeah. doesn't need both titles. They got no. the one that they needed the most, more impor- the more important one. Let the kids play with this strong title, and then you, Agreed. you can have them come back over to Agreed. the States at some point and then defend it. Whoever wants to get some, they can get some. By that point, they'll at least have the the reputation of someone that you better have your head on a swivel before you walk out because they could be coming out from anywhere at any given point. Now, let's talk about the G1. We decided oh, yeah. really quick that we were going to do just talk about the blocks themselves versus going through night by night. So just in case you don't have the blocks right there in front of you, I'll just rattle them off real quick so that way you can all be on the same page with us. A block, no particular order, Sonata, uh, Shota Umino, Ren, uh, Rita, uh, Yoda Suji, Hikaleu, Chase Owens, Gabriel Kidd, and Kaito Kiyomiya. B-Block has uh, Okada, uh, Yoshihashi, Tangaloa, ELP, Taichi, Will Ospreay, Great Okan, and Kenta. C-Block, 
Tamatonga, Ishii, Shingo, Mikey Nichols, Hanare, Eddie Kingston, David Finley, and Evil. And then in D Block, you have Tanahashi, Goto, Fuck Yano, the Living Legend, Naito, <laughs> ZSJ, Shane Hayes, Jeff Cobb, and. Um, Oh, Jesus Christ. Alex Coughlin. So that's the four blocks. So I'll let you start first with the A block. I know Hell you yeah. I know you said and I see your uh your screen name as Kaito as the MVP contender. You threw that out there on our text thread. So I'm assuming Quite that's the turnaround you- for me. Quite the turnaround for me, huh? <laughs> I was about to say you called him a little bitch about a couple episodes ago. <laughs> the guy the guy has been incredible and let's just start there. Um yeah, I think he has been absolutely one of the best performers in this tournament, no doubt. Um and let's just be real. I think A block has been the best block. You know, it's now Sonata's kind of wrapped it up at this point, but to have the three musketeers in there, um, you know, Gabe Kidd and what he's doing, obviously Kaito, like we mentioned, Hikaleo had a really slow start, but he's picked it up on the last two matches. Um, so I just, and of course, Chase Owens, I mean, you know, he's, he's doing okay. Um, but I just have loved this block. And I mean, seeing the three musketeers finally just unshackled, you know, in this tournament setting, um, it's been incredible. But yeah, Kaito, man, I think I, let me pull it up here. I believe I have three, four, three, four and a half star matches from him. The opener against Suji, which I sure didn't expect him to win that. I thought, you know, Suji coming off the near title win against Sonata, um, that he was going to come out strong. And, you know, he hasn't, but that's okay because it's kind of like, he is almost like too overconfident at this point, and he needed to get knocked down a peg or two, but mm-hmm. holy fuck, he has been unbelievable, and we'll get to him in a minute. But So yeah, against Suji, the Shota Umino match, the draw I thought was excellent, and then of course, no, I have four matches of his at four and a half. <laughs> holy shit. The Sonata 1958 right down to the wire was incredible, and then of course, yesterday against Gabe Kidd, just the all-out fucking brawl and so much hatred between those two guys. I didn't realize the extent that Gabe Kidd had kind of like talked shit about Noah and Kaito and maybe even like slapped him at the press conference. I didn't watch it, but mm. are you kind of, are you familiar with any of that? I know commentary was mentioning it a bit, but, but man, those two were at each other's necks and I have to feel we're going to get a rematch out of that. I hope so, but at least at some point, but. Man, just great shit. No, I didn't know that uh, Gabe Kidd was talking that shit at the uh, the, the the press conference or whatever. I, I didn't see it. I, I just saw, you know, bits and clips of it or whatever. They kind of mentioned uh, Shane Haste and, uh, you know, him being best dressed, winning best dressed or whatever the case may be. I, I'll say this. If you've seen Kaito like I have, like you have, it's not like it, – you're, he's doing anything that in the ring that we haven't seen before. I, no, no. I, I agree with in the sense of, especially with the Gabe Kid match. Um, I'm trying to see where the other one was where I was just like, okay, see, this motherfucker is showing his ass. Um, Suji, I gave it four and a quarter. Uh, where's the other one? Chase was not a big deal. The next match up for him was, let me make sure I see it right. That was, that was the show, Jodo. Okay. Jodo. Th- that was another one where 
between that and the Gabe Kid match were the two matches where you saw kind of a, a, a little bit of a mean streak coming out of him. The shoulder yeah. match, he should have just kept the, uh, the submission on him. He probably won that, but I get the why. You know, you just, you're not going to beat one of the three musketeers. Not like that. Y'all can get a point of peace and everybody walks away happy. So I, I get the why it happened. I was just kind of like, man, how you giving up the figure four? You've been working on the knee for this long at this point. You see more of a killer instinct with Kaito. Not expecting him to win it. I do expect him to be one of the top two guys in A block to advance. And from that really? point. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I think I think it's Sonata's already won it, I believe. Right. I yes. think it's either he or Shota will be the other one to go through. Um, but Ren Narita faces Kaito on the last night, and he's obviously had a little bit down of a tournament, so I could see him potentially playing spoiler um, and Shota getting through there. But absolutely, I could definitely see it happening. But I'm kind of leaning a little bit more towards Shota Umino at this point, getting that second spot. Let's just talk about the three musketeers for a second. because <laughs> Please. These guys fucking rule. Okay. And then... <laughs> And they all do, uh, to me, different things kind of well. Ren Narita is more along the lines of, I hate to say Shibata, but that's the comparison. He's more of the ground and pound kind of guy. He's going to, you know, grind you out. No nonsense kind of guy. Showed obviously, the complete opposite. That's why I think they paired them against each other because Shota is not Renarito. Obviously, flashy. Obviously, you know, much more of a crowd favorite. I wouldn't say a crowd favorite, but plays to the crowd more. Better that, choice of words. Got that, got that crowd connection definitely much more than Renarita does. Right. Suji's somewhere in that gray, it feels like, where he he has that connection with the crowd. He, you know, he feeds off of it, but I don't think he necessarily needs it because, to me, he's obviously the more the physical imposing of the three, and he his moves just leap off the screen more than any of the three do. Don't he's get me wrong. Incredible. Sh- Shota Umino is, is in, as athletic as they come. Not like this. This is on a level where no. it's just like guys he's this size should not be doing what he has been doing and and i said it last night on bfr and i just gotta feel like i gotta say it again we gotta keep we gotta pump the brakes on these guys i know i'm just ecstatic over the moon excited to see what i'm right there with you brother (laughs) for the next year two years what these three guys can be or what you know what's ahead for this but i don't want to be I don't want to put that expectations so high that it's so unrealistic. Yeah. If the, if there there was like I keep saying, you bring back the Intercontinental title, you, some of these things can take care of themselves because you're probably just missing that one title that can really elevate that next person. The Neverweight title is cool, but David Finley hasn't been doing that much to elevate the title, and neither has anybody else. But that's another story for another time. I want we get sidetracked. I just the point is, let's just pump the brakes on the three musketeers. They are going to be great, all individually and on their own accord. But right now, 2023, you know, July, fill in the blank. I believe it's the 28th. Let's just be cool (laughs) for a second and let these boys grow for a minute, please. I'll be honest. It's hard for me to be cool about Yoda Suji. (laughs) Dog. (laughs) Everything, like, you know. 
We talked, obviously, about the first Sonata match, the title match, how it felt like an acid trip. It was crazy. It was like, how is this guy coming in, and he's this fucking good, and this over with the crowd, and he's got all the intangibles, just that presence, the smile, everything. Like, he has not let up one bit since Dominion, Um, and I just, I can't help but think this guy is just going to be the next Okada, you know, in terms of just like, he is the guy. He is going to carry that torch. Again, it could be Shota as well, but for me, for my money, it's Yoda suit. To be, like I said, to be this incredible, this early, without anyone having really seen you for years, to just step in at this level and perform at the highest level, I'm just in awe every time I see him. Even the Chase Owens match was like, you know, probably three and a three and a half, three seven five. But it's like this guy's just so good. Got the best match out of Hikaleo outside of the Jay White match earlier this year. I went four and a quarter on that. You know, we talked on the text thread, and I think even they said it on commentary that uh, Hikaleo is you know one of the least intimidating giants. Maybe they didn't say it. Maybe it was on Super J-Cast. But regardless, he's kind of picked it up. And Suji brought that kind of monster out of him. And he ended up getting the W. Um, Suji's match against Sonata again. You know, I think the work was as good, maybe even better than the Dominion match. But you you just can't recapture the magic of that night and just how incredible and unfathomable it all felt and how... You know, we all believed at one point he was going to win the title that night. So, but just another incredible match against Sonata. I thought he was going to get the win this time just to kind of, you know, maybe he didn't get the title shot. Maybe someone else who beat Sonata would get it, but then he would have that in his back pocket. Mm -hmm. But that didn't happen. Um, But regardless, the performances are off the chart. Like I said, I went four and a half against Kaito, four and a half against Sonata four and a quarter against Hikaleo and I think four and a quarter in the draw against Narita and just taking a step back about all three. Like you said, I do agree. Like let's pump the brakes a little bit. Let's give it time. But I like how they've been booking these guys, Mm -hmm. you know, they've had draws against each other. Um, You know, Narita's at three points. Suji's at, or Narita's at two. Suji's at three. Shota's up at six, a little higher up, but you know, they're booking them like, you know, they are great but they're not great enough quite yet. You know, they're all kind of missing it. Just be that experience or whatever. So I really like how they played them. You know, I think Narita was my favorite. Well, it was really just he and Shota before Suji came back. Like I love nothing against them. He just hasn't quite recaptured, you know, the performances he had, you know, end of last. or two where we're at right now, but he's still had a heck of a tournament. Um, and I don't want to open this box yet, but uh, we'll see what happens when one Yuya Uemura comes back at some <laughs> point. Because we had some uh, spirited debates uh, uh, on our text group about him, but uh, oh, he's going to come with the biggest fucking chip on his shoulder because he came up with those guys as well and you know, kind of being left out of the fold here for now. So I would think we're going to be seeing him sooner than later. I would, yeah. Human Euro is uh, very interesting, I, and that I would be the first to admit it because I was on the, you know, I just I don't see it on Impact 
But you guys are right. This is it is an excursion. It's not like he's going to come out and beat uh, Eddie Edwards or whatever the case may be, or you know, challenge for the title. So I, I there you go. Once again, my own advice to myself i have to keep my own expectations even keel sometimes because i expect i see all those these guys doing x over here in new japan and i'm looking over here at impact i'm like man you ain't doing x man what the fuck's wrong with you (laughs) but but azar made the good point of you know it's not really a benefit to these companies to an impact to book him that strongly because you know, he's only there for a short period of time. Agreed. But again, like, I think it was the match against Moose was probably his best singles match. It was only like eight or nine minutes, but I thought he looked really good in that. He was in that, like, six-way match, you know, a couple months ago on one of those specials. I can't remember which show. But yeah, I agree. You know, he's obviously not showing out like the guys in New Japan, but you can see it, you know, and he's definitely growing. He's got something. I'm just going to be, I can't wait to see how they bring him back because you know, all of these guys have gotten some pretty, pretty good treatment. I mean, Suji, obviously the the biggest and best right out of the gate, but mm-hmm. you got to feel they're going to bring him back strongly. And he's certainly got a receipt for Okada drop kicking his ass twice out the door. So uh, that's something to look forward to as well. A um, couple of other guys I want to touch on, just quick thoughts. Uh, you kind of touched on Hikaleu, slow starts. Now, now it feels like he's picking it up a little bit. Not necessarily, I don't think he, he's not going to obviously win the block. We're going to talk about Sonata here in a second. But do you see him in the mix for that runner-up spot at all? It's going probably He's probably going to have to run the table at this point. Um, if I'm not mistaken, A Block was the, yeah, A Block was the last uh, night of action. So if I'm not mistaken, my math is right. He's got two nights to make yeah. up these points Hickaway who have any chance or you just having you want to see him look strong coming down the stretch just I pulled up here he's got Shota and Kaito in his last two matches so I'm gonna say no but you know I think he maybe gets one of those wins um but like I said those are kind of the top two candidates to get that spot so it will be interesting um but no, I don't. I don't see him getting through and beating both of those guys and doing so. Now, I just I feel like I'm. I'm glad I don't have to talk shit on him anymore. Um, let's wrap <laughs> it up with uh, Sonata. Oh, actually, I want to talk Gabe Kid first. Yeah, yeah. I had to give credit to Gabe Kid just on uh, BFR last night because I thought he was one of the guys that I felt like really has stood out. And not, and we're not even talking wins or losses. We're just talking, you know, character in-ring ability, things along those lines. Kevin Kelly, I think, really said it best that he now has this war dog mentality, but you know he can go in the ring once it's time to get this thing going. Uh, What was it? 19 seconds was one of the... uh, I'm sorry, two minutes... uh, Two minutes, 55 seconds against uh, Chase, but a good chunk of that was them just kicking the shit out of each other outside of the ring. And then, uh, no, that was ELP and uh, Kenta, but we'll talk about that here in a little bit as well. Um, Just talk about Gabe Kidd, because obviously Gabe Kidd is one of the guys that took a little bit of a beating when he and uh, Alex Coughlin came over to join Bullet Club. Obviously, you already had Clark Connors and uh, Driller Dan Maloney in. Let's just talk about Gabe Kidd. What have you thought about Gabe Kidd so far throughout the tournament? 
Yeah, I've really enjoyed it. I mean, it's definitely something different, you know, with him kind of attacking people almost every time, I think, right before the match. But they're doing it in a different way every time. So, and like you said, you know, they've referred to him at, as a generational talent, which, you know, maybe that's going it. Now he's got this edge. You know, he's telling everyone, fuck you, and flipping everyone off. Like, I'm here for it. Um, like I said earlier, the Kaito match was incredible. Just an absolute just beat down. It reminded me a lot of the uh, Clark Connors Drilla Maloney match from the Best of Super Juniors, where it just right out of the gate, <laughs> these two are just beating the piss out of each other outside. Um, you know, it ends up in the ring. This one goes, you know, twice as long as that one. But, yeah, loved it. I thought the Ren Arita match was good because that was another one that, you know, got like 10-plus minutes, and Ren obviously could stand there and strike with him as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely digging Gabe Kidd more so than Coughlin, and, you know, that's not a slight on him. He's just – I think Kidd's been better and has had more interesting matchups. No, I just think that uh, Gabe Kidd, to, to me, is more the charismatic of the two. For sure, um, Coughlin is the strong man. The fucking muscle, yeah. Right. So, and, and and there's nothing wrong with that. I like I like the fact no, that you have that uh, that uh, dichotomy between the two. Let's just talk about the guy that's the first man to clinch a spot going into the quarterfinals, and obviously that's Sonata. He's still undefeated, still running the table at the top of the block. His win. I uh, believe that was yesterday morning. Sounds right. Yeah, yesterday morning against uh, Ren Narita captured at least a spot in the quarterfinals. I would think he would have to lose all the next two matches, and then you would have to have Kaito come and win the next two. But I don't think that's happening. So I think it's safe to say that Sonata is going to win the A block. Now, Definitely. I guess the only question is, does he run the table? If I'm not mistaken, he has uh, Kid and Owens as the last two to win the block, or did not win the block, but run the block. Better choice words. I assume, like you do, he's going to run the block, correct? Yeah, I think so. I mean, let's be honest. Chase ain't fucking beating him. Gabe Kid, there's a chance, but I think if someone, like, I thought Kaito was going to beat him. You know, I said that in our text group before. Like, it, it just made sense, like, just like Mara Fuji beat Okada in the 2016 G1, got the title shot, you know, before Wrestle Kingdom. To me, it just felt like a, you know, a way to keep Kaito in the mix, give him another big match, you know, not win. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm totally cool with Sonata going undefeated, just further establishing him as the world champ, and he's done, you know, a heck of a job. You know, we've talked about it obviously plenty. You know, complete reinvention of his character, his look you know, wrestling style to a degree, you know, I think he's a little more fast paced now, a little, little, a uh, little more polished. Obviously he's got the new finisher, but no, I've just continued to be impressed with him. I mean, yeah, he is a transitional champion, but you know, he's probably, he might hold this belt all the way to wrestle kingdom. I mean, I wouldn't have thought that initially when he won it Nope. at this point, it seems likely, although, you know, whoever he ends up like, He's not going to win the G1. No. Whoever he ends up losing to could end up getting that shot, um, you know, at whether it be Destruction or Power Struggle, King of King Pro, Pro Wrestling, Wrestling, you know, one of those shows. So 
I don't know how it's going to shake out. You know, I picked Osprey to win the whole thing prior to this. I'm going to stick with it. You know, is Osprey Sonata big enough to be a Wrestle Kingdom main event? Maybe. You know, I think it's possible. So, or does Osprey maybe beat Sonata in the in the playoffs, and then maybe doesn't end up going to win the tournament, and then wins the title at King of Pro Wrestling, perhaps? You know, I think. I just got a feeling Osprey is going to be in the Wrestle Kingdom main event, whether it's as champion or as the G1 winner. But no, hats off to Sonata. Uh, in terms of star ratings, I had the Kaito match at four and a half, the Suji match at four and a half. Um, let's see what else were any others. There's definitely the top two for me for sure for him. But yeah, I think he's been great. What about you? Yeah. Um, Suji, uh, Sonata, I've got it four stars. Kaito, Sonata, four and a half. Ren, Sonata, four and a quarter. Um, other two, I believe, weren't really. Uh, Shota, uh, Shota, Sonata, I have it at four stars. Um, then uh, Hikaleu, Sonata, probably the lowest of the bunch, got three and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I was probably three, seven, five on both the Ren and Shota matches, but they were, you know, rock solid for sure. Just didn't quite, you know, get to that level for me, but. Yeah, he's been great and definitely looking forward to see, you know, we'll kind of, when we get through everything, kind of forecast what these playoffs could look like. Because I was kind of looking through it the other day, and it's like, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, so, I was going to yeah, say. A block. A block has would been. You agree, a, would you agree? I think A and B, like when those shows have definitely been the superior shows. But, yeah, A block you know, despite now pretty much having a clear winner has, I think, been my favorite just because of all these young guys and just seeing how they all interact together. That's and, of course, Kaito just really, really picking up the ball and running with it. Like you said, not surprising because we know how good he is, but to be churning out these high-level performances consistently with guys he's never worked with before, color me impressed. He's no little bitch anymore. <laughs> no, I, I, I thought A Block would just be intriguing just for the fact that you would have, you know, obviously the Musketeers, Hikaleu, Gabe Kid, guys that we hadn't really seen in this scenario before. And then before. just toss in the world, toss in the world, world champion. champion. Yeah, so at that point, I wasn't even mad about that. I mean, I assume Okada is going to get – you know, to touch the three musketeers at a later point. And I know p- people are like, you know, oh, they're not in the same block. You know, this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, everybody just chill the fuck out, okay? Okada is going to be able to whoop these blue boys in his due time, <laughs> all right? Everybody just chill. Well, and let's remember, they had they had the tag matches, or you know, where it was Shota and Ren against, like, he and Naito. They had that. I think they may have opposed each other in a six-man at some So both Shota and Ren have been and trying to get to him for sure in those matches so you're absolutely right it's coming at some point and again i can't remember exactly how the bracket will shake out but it wouldn't surprise me if we saw uh, okada versus gota in the playoffs it's like i'm not even gonna try it i said it last night and now i can't remember it's like a a1 <laughs> it fights uh c2 some shit like that so i mean yeah it's i'm not even gonna try yeah, it. i got it here a1 okay i got it here a1 c2 b1 d2 
see one second round, maybe if it's possible. Go back because it was about to say you you broke up after the you said that a a meets c and then b meets d and then that's when you broke up. Oh, so then it's c one versus b two mm-hmm. and d one versus a two. So if Shota gets second in A and Okada gets second in B, they could face off in the semifinals potentially. Probably not going to happen, but it's at least possible. Yeah, I was going to say, we're good. Let's, great segue because we, we got to talk about the B block now. <laughs> Two guys really starting to separate themselves in the B block, and we kind of knew that this was going to happen when we saw the blocks announced, and that's Okada and Will Ospreay. Obviously, they had their main event match yesterday morning. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's just put those two guys aside because obviously we can flowers, rain flowers upon them for as long as humanly possible. I want to talk about Tai Chi to, to kick off the B block. I thought Tai Chi coming Please. in was one of the guys that could have been a dark horse. It might, and still might could be. It's, it's going to take a lot for him to, to come back and get this thing done, but I thought he was one of the guys that was a a dark horse to at least get that second spot in the B block. Obviously, Will and uh, Okada would have to do something silly or faulty to open up that door, but Tai Chi was there to at least kick the door in if it was cracked open. And at first, I thought that was going to happen. He won the first two matches. He was going into the Okada match undefeated. Same way with Okada, both at four points. Losing the Okada match in a a razor close shave, but that's how Okada does it sometimes. Not necessarily that big a deal. But then that second loss, I believe it was against, let me make sure I'm saying this right, against Kenta. And yeah, all uh, kinds of kind of bullshit, yeah. All kinds of fuckery. That's when I was like, okay, now I, you you kind of burst my bubble on any kind of real tai chi. He's going to make this little run. He beats Yoshihashi, so he's at six points about uh, two thir- two thirds of the way through. Like I said, A and B block have two matches left. Um, I thought Tai Chi was somebody, like I said, that could be one guy that could sneak in the door, but I still think he's had some really solid matches. Three, three, seven, five on uh, Tai Chi and Yoshihashi, uh, three and a half, and that was nice on uh, Kenta (laughs) and Tai Chi um, being nice. They won. Yeah, I would yeah say right. One. Uh, four <laughs> seven five on Tai Chi Okada. I thought that's one of the matches of the tournament so far. Tai Chi will Ospreay. Agreed. One of the matches that I didn't think that Tai Chi would win the opening night. He ends up stealing two points. I shouldn't even say steal two points because that's how much I appreciate Tai Chi. Now four and a half on that, and then. Uh, Tongaloa and Tai Chi, I gave that three and a half. So, I mean, I, obviously I have at least four or three matches with him at four plus stars and then two at three and a half. So, for me, Tai Chi, I think someone that's not named Okada, that's not named Will Ospreay, he's somebody that I thought has really stood out in the B-block. Couldn't agree more. The Holy Emperor reigns supreme. Yeah, he's incredible, man. And I, uh, I agreed. I had the Okada match at four and a half, but agreed, top two match of the, the tournament for me, I think, um, along with Okada Osprey. Those are probably my top two. Um, yeah, and I just wanted Tai Chi to beat him so 
fucking bad because he's obviously never beaten him. They've had a handful of, you know, really tight, good, contested matches. And, you know, in a G1, everyone, anyone can lose any night. That's mm-hmm. what makes it so exciting. Like, you know, Taichi beating Osprey. Huge upset. I mean, no one saw that one coming. Nope. Um, so I thought there was a chance Taichi was going to beat him, but of course he did not. But yeah, he's been great. You know, I think the Tangaloa and Kenta matches stunk, but that not any reason because of him. Um, and then I went four on the Yoshihashi match, and you know how I feel about him. I think he also, Yoshihashi, has had a fucking excellent tournament, if we want to just move right on no, to my boy here. Uh, yeah, so um, obviously that match we just talked about, the Okada, the Okada and Osprey matches, I think I went four and a quarter on the Osprey and Ditto. either four and a quarter or four and a half on Okada. Again, similarly, didn't think Yoshihashi was going to beat Okada, but there was a small chance and they've had some really good matches together. Faction mates, you knew they were going to come out and bludgeon each other. Um, but of course, Okada, you know, got the dub as expected. But yeah, um, Yoshihashi got the big win. I think even beating El Phantasmo on night one was a bit of bit of a surprise he did beat him in the g1 last year but just elp you know new character baby face i thought was going to get that win so um again i don't want to shit on tangaloa too much but he has not been good but uh yoshihashi had an epic carry job like that match was better than it had any right being and <laughs> again tangaloa he's he's trying he's trying hard out there for sure he's just not looking good but yeah love me some yoshihashi he's got great okan and kenta left you know gotta think he gets at least one of those wins oh yeah for he sure. certainly ain't gonna move through but but he's uh entertained me greatly this tournament no i, I said it on twitter as uh i think it was maybe the the second or third night of uh a slash b block action Yoshihashi might not, you know, go through and advance to the quarters, but any points you take off of him are going to be earned points. Uh, Absolutely. It's just not coming Great in and just, you know, rolling over uh, Yoshihashi. Same way with Goto, even though Goto is kind of starting to be a little banged up. He's the first guy. Him and A.D. Kingston, I think, are really like the first two guys that are showing the, the wear and tear on as uh, the G1 is kind of – slugged on a little bit um yeah i gave like i said um when you said it yoshihashi okada four and a quarter um i believe yoshihashi and will Ospreay gave it four and a quarter as well um elp uh yoshihashi three and a half from there where's the other two at uh tai chi three seven five and then tango go at three and a half so i mean then another guy that's kind of high up there, solid matches throughout. I'm not going to shit on Tonga Goa either. I'll just say this. If, <laughs> for, for a guy that's coming back from as a severe knee injury as he's had, I think we're seeing him work it out in the ring versus him coming back at 100%. Now, Yeah, he's, he's doing his best, but I know you'll agree with me here should be tom lawler okay that's and i was just gonna say if there was somebody that you wanted to put in 
you to give me a name and that's all I ask. I don't necessarily <laughs> no because I, I always fuck with Bill. I'm like you know if you're gonna kick somebody out of this group, you gotta have a replacement name ready to go. Otherwise, you know what what's the point? We can kick anybody out of anything, but you know give me a scenario where you replace him with somebody, and that's where to me you replace him with somebody, and that's Tom Waller. So that that's all I was gonna ask at least on that one. Um, maybe Tom Waller next year, but yeah, he's he's a guy that's definitely has been missed. Um, let's talk about the, the, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say real, real quick, Lawler or another guy who was in the tournament last year. And that's not is Lance Archer. Uh, mm. again, not a full-time new Japan guy, but had a heck, you know, I think a good tournament last year had that really good opening match with Osprey at Dominion in like eight minutes. Just another guy I would have much preferred to see in there over Tangaloa. <sighs> Lance Archer should have never left. Um, yeah. Great Okan, I was going to talk about the the backside, and I hate to say it, the backside of uh, the B block, but unfortunately, <laughs> this is kind of where I've got, at least in my head, and I can't, I'll let you speak on this here in a second. He and Kenta have had some of the least enjoyable matches, for <laughs> at least for my money. Kenta for obvious overfuckery reasons, and then Great Okan, just the... I guess the lack of strong booking is where I have my biggest problem with Great Okan. You know, he bursts on the scene. He has the win, the big win over Naito in the G1. And it seems like any tournament matches, it has not really been anything to write home about. A couple of wins in the New Japan Cup when he got to there. But I think he said that he's like 2-11 and 11 or some craziness since the, uh, the Naito win. Talk about Great Okan. What? Why is Great Okan not being booked strongly? I thought this was another guy that had a a, a slim chance because I mean, damn, you got Okada and Osprey in this block. I mean, somebody's gonna have to break a fucking leg for it to open up a spot. But if somebody broke a leg, I thought Great Okan might be the guy that could sneak in the door and make it happen. Why is Great Okan's booking so poor? I wish I had a, an answer for that. I'm with you. It's just a killer. He lost the tangle. He lost the Kenta. You know, I thought the Osprey match was really good. You know, I thought they were very slight, but I thought that was good. But I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's never really taken off to, you know, any sort of level, really. You know, he's just kind of been stuck in neutral. Um, It's interesting. It's weird. United Empire overall have lost a hell of they were during the New Japan Cup in that kind of time frame. You know, obviously, Aussie Open leaving. Well, first getting hurt, Davis getting hurt, mm-hmm. none of them leaving, I think threw a wrench into a lot, but they were so united, literally, Dumb. you know, no pun intended, like they were always together, rolling deep, you know, they were so hot, great faction, you know, it's not killed, but, and again, in the G1, everyone's doing their own thing, so it just, they just a far cry from where they were as a group, and yeah, it's a shame, Great O'Conn's just really lost in the shuffle overall, and, uh, yeah, I think this is a missed opportunity. You know, they could have at least had him in the mix, but he's got two fucking points. 
right. and lost to Tangaloa. So what are we doing here? Yeah, that, that's the one where I was just like, oh, damn. <laughs> you are killing me, Smalls. I don't even want to uh, take time to discuss Kenta. He is who he is. <laughs> Uh, well, let me, let's talk. Let's talk about the Osprey match because yeah, that that's was really what, good. That's, what, that's the only thing I was going with because obviously we're, we're down to the top two guys, and that's Osprey and Okada. Obviously, Okada coming into the Osprey match undefeated. Uh, Osprey with the one loss to Tai Chi after getting his belt wrong. So, in a scenario where it's he feels like it's hard to beat Okada to begin with, you narrowed it down to twenty minutes, and I told you this twenty minute time limit would be all right. Here's a great scenario. <laughs> of it you know now it's already a daunting task to beat the rainmaker you know the guy that's the reigning g1 champion now you got to do it in 20 minutes i gave it five stars man the first 10 minutes felt like a normal just match a normal kata osprey match or basically a normal kata match just you know feeling the oats out let's just see how it plays out and then the next thing you know that last eight minutes and some change was yeah, everything smashed an Okada Osprey match in hyperspeed. They smashed it all in in eight minutes. I thought it was amazing. Uh, the fit to me the the ripcord elbow changed yeah. the whole match and opens up something that now Okada has to look for. There's always some twist that you know when you get two guys this close, this competitive. Some guy has to you know, do something different. This is where the money clip came into play when Okada was facing Naito and he was champion. You know, we could talk about the money clip. I'll say it first. Fuck that money clip. Was he putting on the Osprey? I was like, I hope you lose, you little rat bastard. <laughs> I hate that fucking move. And Osprey's selling was great. Like, it looked like his eyes were about to roll in the back of his head. I mean, he slapped it on him like four different times, so... I was, I was okay with it in this match. But Shingo yeah, I mean, and uh, terms- Will Ospreay, the only two guys that have sold it to where I'm like, damn, they're getting ready to get pass out. What the yeah. fuck? <laughs> yeah. Um, I went four and three quarters on the match. It was incredible. You know, fell just short of five for me, but really, really good. And yeah, you put it, not, like, you know, they mentioned how many matches they've had, like over 30 minutes. I think all, you know, their G1 final, their last two Wrestle Kingdoms all went over 30. So you knew you were going to see something different here. And it's not like the first 10 minutes were slow by any means, you know. I mean, they were pretty much right out of the gate hard and never let up. But it did elevate, you know, about halfway through. And again, just, we just, this was something different than, and it's just, it was a clear level above everything we've seen in this tournament, just because these are two of, if not the two best wrestlers in the world right now. And just the pace, the power, the counters, the crispness, just everything these guys do is perfect together. And yeah, it was really good. And I mean, I, I did think Osprey was going to get the win, but it was still, you know, a bit of a surprise given that it is his first clean W over Okada. So ding, ding, that's a, yeah, that is a big, big win for him. You know, I think he like said eight years in the making. So I guess their first match was in 2015. Um, but yeah, it was outstanding. And let me ask you this: Is that going to be our finals matchup again? Yes. You think so? Thing left. Thing left meat on that bone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I, think I mean they, they absolutely did. Yeah, I mean we've we've talked ad nauseum on this show about the Okada Osprey rivalry, and you know Osprey re- finally getting that big win. 
you know, this wasn't it necessarily because it was just a G1, but like getting that either G1 final or that Wrestle Kingdom main event win, it's coming. I don't know if it's coming right now or even at Wrestle Kingdom this year, but it's coming. And yeah, I would not be surprised one bit if that's the final, but I don't, I don't know if it will be or not. Um, We'll I'm going uh, to go ahead I, and throw my Negro Domus guess out because I said it last night off the air. Please, uh, when we we're it. done with when we we're done with BFR, and then uh, we can wrap up B Block with uh, any other thoughts you have. This is my guess: Osprey and Okada meet in the G1 final. Will Ospreay wins. He, he advances to Wrestle Kingdom, obviously. He faces Sonata. So Sonata has now the rec- the chance to get the receipt after getting his face busted. Mm. This spins off Okada into Brian Danielson. Speaking of receipts, by this time, Daniel should, should be healthy and in a, a position to where he can slide on over to Wrestle Kingdom to have this Okada rematch and you can keep things moving. So that's my guess. I think it's it's receipts are the word of the day here. Sonata gets his receipt for getting his head busted open by Will Ospreay, and then Will uh, Okada gets a chance to get his receipt for tapping out to Brian Daniels. So that's my guess. I can definitely see that happening, for sure. I mean, and let's, I don't think Okada's going to win the G1 for the third straight year. I really no. don't. Um, you know, could... I hate to keep... The, you know, this is a kind of a big guess, but... Maybe Okada Yuya Uemura at Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's probably a little crazy, but I think it's it's an option. But no, I think what you laid out, Yuya, what you keep January twenty twenty four open. What? We gonna have you come back. <laughs> Hell no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. What are you gonna say? I did, yeah, I think what you laid out definitely makes a lot of sense happening, but yeah. Any other B block thoughts before we move to the C block? Um, I mean, just the sheer quality of Mad Kata, Yoshihashi, Okada, Taichi, Opre, obviously. Um, yeah, he's just so great. Both these guys are so great. So, yeah, I mean, it's going to be both. have been my two favorites for sure. Are we worried about ELP at all? No, no. And uh, he could beat Osprey on the final night, too. They've, uh, they've definitely got plenty of history together. Okay, fair enough. Let's move to the C block. Uh, obviously, we can round that off again. Tamatonga, Ishii, Shingo, Mikey Nicholas, Hanare, Eddie Kingston, David Finley, and uh, Evil. Uh, I'll let you go first. I, I went first on the B block. Well, uh, who stands out to you in C block? I think this is probably the most unpredictable block. Well, really, these next two both, you know, but especially this one. I think there's five different guys that could go through here. I think I have Eddie Kingston included in that group. He's probably the least likely, but Finley, Evil, Tom, Sh- 
hoping, you know, we could be getting, I think it's A1 versus we could actually in the playoffs, which would be very, very exciting. Shingo could potentially get that W and then he gets that title shot against Sonata potentially. I think that could make a lot of sense. Um, you know, obviously Tama, you know, getting his uh, revenge on David Finley was nice. Um, Finley's been, I think Finley's been really solid. You know, that opening match against Ishii was really good. I did love the Tama match. Uh, the evil match was okay. You know, whatever. Um, and you're being nice, Mikey. Mikey Nichols, like Mikey Nichols, I'm kind of jumping all over. He's the guy. Both he and Hayes have exceeded expectations in my mind. Um, Nichols feel like he's had a bloody head like half the matches. Uh, he's going hard. Um, but and then obviously Shingo and Eddie Kingston. I loved that match. Shingo and Hanare. Shingo Ishii was probably the worst match they've had but I still had it at four and a quarter but it just didn't quite hit the level that I'm used to with those guys but still really good don't get me wrong um but yeah I think there's been a lot of guys in this block that have I mean really everyone but evil <laughs> has been pretty damn good for the most part and uh oh, you know this, while, while this hasn't had like the quality of like four and a half star matches this is the other ones definitely a nice slew of full fun and I mean, I think Finley's going to go through. Mm-hmm. I'll go Finley. I think Finley wins and Shingo gets second just because that Shingo Sonata first round matchup is just too tasty for me. But who do you who do you see coming out of this? Because do you agree that it could be, you know, any of those four and maybe Kingston with a small outside chance? No, I, I think Eddie, if he gets to. If he gets to double digits, I think that's a win to itself. I think he's he's solidly going to get to eight points, and then some. The guys that he's lost to on the way to finish this, that's where I think he has he'll end up defending the uh, the New Japan title, the New Japan Strong title at some point. From there, if you're going to pin me down, I agree with you. I think Finley is going to somehow get this win back from Tama because now Tama's going to have to lose at some point where David Finley wins because now Tama holds the tiebreaker over David Finley. So somewhere Tama's going to have to slip on the banana peel to open the door. Now, Shingo has to, probably has to run the table at this point. They got three matches on their side of the block. Correct me if I'm wrong. He's at four points. Yeah, and he's got Finley, Tama, and uh, Finley, Tama, and Evil. Um, Yeah, see, I just, they've been just so so weird with his book. Not going to be easy for him. Hell no. Um, Then I'll I'll just stick to what I thought was going to be. I'll just stick to just Finley wins it, Tama Tonga, it's a safe bet. He'll get the the second place spot. It just doesn't. Mikey Nichols feels like a, you know it'd be cool, but it, it just doesn't feel like he's a you know a big enough name for lack of a better term. No. Eddie Kingston no. is probably the other guy that would probably be somebody because he's a champion at this point. Evil's the guy that I don't want to even say, but we all know what it's, I'm thinking. It's possible. Yeah. <laughs> I want to put possible. that shit out there. Um, I'm gonna be mad. Yeah, like a motherfucker. So. I, yeah, I'm gonna stick to that because I'm gonna, I'm gonna manifest that. Tama's runner-up spot, 
David Finley. I think David Finley, I think we can both agree somehow yeah. David Finley gets this win back, at least gets the tiebreaker uh, away from Tama to take the top spot back, and he wins C-block. Now, from there, I agree with you. There's there's some names that I wouldn't, wouldn't mind seeing winning that spot, but to me, there's realistically Kingston – Shingo is now feels like a a long shot at this point because now you're asking him to beat two back to back uh, or two former neverweight champions in back to back matches. Yeah, so Shingo, you know, obviously he's a bit behind the eight ball right now at four points with you know uh, Finley, Tama, and um, Evil all ahead of him. However, those are the three guys he faces to here down the stretch. So. Uh, it is all laid out right in front of him nicely for the taking if he's able to run the table. Obviously not going to be an easy task, but it is fucking Shingo Takagi we're talking here. Former world champ, you know, probably one of the best wrestlers in the world over, you know, 2019, 2021 ish era. Uh, still up there, of course, but just not, you know, getting the high priority booking like he was. But, uh, I don't see any, you know, any reason why he can't. Sorry, Shingo. <laughs> you're right. Yep, you're right. You're right. I don't know why I doubted you, my friend. I apologize. Go ahead, Brad. Because I say Shingo had to yell at me for 30 seconds. Is you know, get me back on track. I'm not saying he's definitely gonna do it, but I think there's no reason that he can't do it. But I, you know, as we've kind of talked through this, I'm just fascinated and excited to see how this is all going to shake out because there are so many different possibilities. You know, I think we're both in agreement that Finley is going to win, as we've stated, but really could be anyone's guess for this final spot. And uh, it's going to be a fun, uh, fun final few nights in the C block here for sure. What did you think about Hanare's face tattoo? <laughs> that was uh very interesting. And yeah, I texted the group. I'm like, is that shit for real? Which clearly it is. Um, yeah, I mean, what a commitment, obviously. Uh, good for him. He looks like a, even more of a badass now. You know, got the bald head as well. Um, and yeah, he's been pretty good. I mean, obviously the Shingo match definitely stands out. Um, we know they had that, I can't, the Shingo triad match mm-hmm. or whatever they called it earlier this year that was like, 40 something minutes and amazing. You know, I had that at four, seven, five, this at four and a half. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think he's at what two points, so he ain't winning, but, uh, you know, he's had a pretty decent showing thus far, but, uh, yeah, that Shingo match, definitely the one that stands out. No doubt. Do you think Eddie Kingston's been booked strong enough, not strong, strong enough, too strong somewhere in the gray? Oh, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, obviously him getting that win against Shingo was huge. And then he called him out, I think for all in, you know, he made a challenge backstage, like he wants him again. So that could be something to look forward to. Um, Obviously the Ishii match was awesome. Um, You know, he came up short in that one, which I think was their third singles match in the past couple of years. So now Ishii holds a two, one lead. That seems like a very natural, strong, open-weight championship match, you know, maybe for King of Pro Wrestling, or maybe they even do it in the States here. Um, But, no, I've been very, very pleased with Kingston. Again, you know, I mentioned to you all, he's just been one of my favorites in the world these past few years, and we know how much Japanese wrestling means to him. Mm. You know, I talked earlier about him stepping into Cork and Hall for the first time in the Independence Day shows. You know, the crowds have been loving him. 
yeah, I've, uh, it's been very, very nice having him over there. And, uh, yeah, I feel like we said, slight chance he maybe gets through, but I don't see it happening. He also has Finley and Tama and then Mikey Nichols as well. So looking at it that way, I don't think he's going to get through, but I think he may beat either Finley or Tama potentially and probably beat Nichols, but, uh, yeah, I've uh, really enjoyed this Eddie Kingston run. What about you? No, but this is where I I said if he got to ten points, that, that would probably be the high water mark, and that would be in in any G one. If you hit double digits, that's a good G one. I don't care, you know, how you set it up or what format you have it in. Double digits is at least a good start. That, that doesn't guarantee you, you advance, but uh, that's a really solid G one. He sits at six now. Finley is the only one I really think that he is not going to win. I can see him sneaking out Tama Tonga and Mikey Nichols is at least a coin flip. And if you put me at gunpoint, I would pick uh, Eddie Kingston. So at that point, you know, I can see at least eight, if not 10 points. I thought him being the new Japan strong champion would ensure him being booked a little stronger, but this is about what I would expect that I thought I would see from him in the ring, just style wise. And then on the flip side of the cafe point wise, this feels about right. Um, just we'll close out with Ishii, obviously not in the mix. Obviously he's eliminated at this point. Give me but the- he's always always one of the best performers every G1 year in and year out. And this year's no exception, if you ask me. I mean, I had the Finley match at four and a quarter, the Tama match, I think, at four, the Shingo match at four and a quarter, and the Kingston match at four and a half. So all four of his matches have been four-plus stars for me. Um, and, you know, this is what we've come to expect from Ishii every year. You know, he's not really going to be in the mix but it's going to be the toughest two points you have to earn all tournament long. That's for damn sure. And the matches have just been awesome. Uh, he's got evil Hanare and Nichols. You know, I think the Hanare match, I think should be really good. You know, obviously, you know, like Hanare and Shingo, I think Hanare and Ishii are going to have a nice, you know, fight together. Um, you know, evil, who cares? And then I think Mikey Nichols and Ishii should be good Ooh. given how Nichols has performed this tournament and really kind of stepped up his badass game. Uh, so, yeah, I think that should be a fun one. Um, uh, you kind of still – you ran a question before I even got to it. I was going to ask you, give me the reason why Ishii should be able to come back next year. Um, just star-wise, I got Shingo Ishii at – Four two five. I got Eddie Ishii at four and a half. My highest rated match for Ishii to this point. Um, other matches: uh, Tama Ishii three seven five, and then David Finley Ishii at three seven five. So obviously, if you probably want to do the quick math, he's got at least an average of four stars from myself alone. So I, that's where I guess my question was going to lie. It's getting to a point where now the points aren't there, but the the match quality still is. Is that enough to keep Ishii to come back around this time next year? Personally, selfishly, yes, I would love that. Go ahead. It should be. Yeah, it should be. Absolutely. I mean, again, especially with some of the other guys that are in this. And, I mean, I expect it's going to probably continue to be 32 going forward. Um, You know, I wouldn't mind – back to 20 at some point just because that's the traditional sense but I also love getting more guys involved and more spotlight more opportunities so um, yeah I would be very upset if he's not back next year now 
let's just jump to the D because I think there's a decent case uh, about, let's start with Tanahashi, about guys maybe not coming back next year. Granted, I think he will, but, you know, he's certainly not looked like the Tanahashi that we all know and love. You know, obviously the guy's been wrestling forever at the highest level, um, you know, and his body's just breaking down. You know, he's having to morph his style a little bit. Um, you know, he's still been really good, but he's just, you know, nowhere near what he, you know, he's losing it a little quicker. Um, but I think he's going to get that, you know, final hallowed G1 run. Like what they'll say, like Nagata had in 2017, like this is his final G1. But just from a performance standpoint, he's not really up to par, you know, anymore. Yes, he's still good enough to be in it, but I think he's uh, definitely uh, winding down his G1 days. Uh, so what do you think about old, uh, the ace of the universe? No, I agree. It's Now it's starting to get to the point where I'm just watching him, you know, get into the ring, not necessarily, you know, spry, you know, see him kind of – you know, waddling to the the corner so he can stand up and everybody gets their uh, their picture up or whatever the case may be. It's it's hard to watch the decline to begin with. This isn't a, a gradual decline. This to me feels like a a steep, like you're at the top of the roller coaster at the very very top where it very first starts. You, you at the tip 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 top, and the next thing you know, it just drops. That's what this feels like to me, and you're, I'm like on this roller coaster, like oh shit, this is dropping really quick, and it's hard to you know it's hard to concentrate. I'm more worried about just him, you know, just not getting hurt, not hurting somebody else, and not, I'm not saying he's reckless by any stretch of the imagination, but there's been a couple of matches where he's gotten to the top and did a high fly floor. I think it was against Tonga Go, and he got up there and he and he stood up there. I'm just like oh shit, oh god, and he's up there for like you know like it felt like three or four minutes it was probably like five or ten seconds but it was like you know he stood up there i'm just like please god but just make him let him make it tongue you can't move at this point you're just going to take the l on this one the ace is going to have to you know crash on you and and we're going to have to move along it's stuff like that where you can clearly tell something's up now from that point can he change his style i think again the match against zsj i think that was the opener that's when I thought, okay, we're going to see a new Tanahashi, a more ground-based Tanahashi, less flying around. You know, he's going to you know, grind these jokers out. He's not going to tie guys up like ZSJ, obviously, but more on the, lawns of, of the lines of that, and we didn't see that. Now we're back to me just praying the guy that he doesn't fall off the top or do, you know, just make it to the ring in one piece. I don't want to see this from Tanahashi, and I think that's the part of the reason why he's the – the never six man title him and Ishii is that you could get them in these matches and keep them protected, obviously by Okada. So there's a spot for him. I just don't think it's especially now when you're going to, you got, you know, Noah knocking on the door. I expect all Japan to be knocking on the door at some point, you know, other promotions are going to get, get a part, at least a spot or two. Imagine if Keno was over in this motherfucker or, you know, <laughs> Ken, or Mia Haro was in this Joker for a run for two or three weeks. That's all I'm saying. It's not a knock against the ace. He's obviously one of the greatest that's ever done it. I just think now we've gotten to the point where it's, it might be time for him to take a step aside. So others get the chance to do it. 
Couldn't agree more. But yeah, he's still out there doing his best. You know, he's still obviously way over with the crowd. You know, his heart has always been one of his best attributes, and that certainly ain't going anywhere. But I think, you know, Azar mentioned something in our text group about his upcoming match with Naito. Obviously, they've had an incredible on-and-off rivalry, specifically that great trilogy of matches in 2017. But they've had some good G1 contests over the past few years. So, Mm. you know, Azar brought up, is this going to be the last great, Tanahashi Naito match and I think it, it it will be you know I think he'll probably dial it up for that one that's going to be a big match for Naito obviously you know he's got two losses already Tana's got two losses so that's going to be a big one to look forward to and uh should be very interesting yeah my boy uh is classic G1 tournament you know it's a roller coaster ride I, I expected nothing less the Shane Hayes loss I don't. I wasn't even mad about biggest that. Up, biggest upset of the tournament, I, I think, by far. Just if you look at it from, you know, here's your singles resumes. You know, if you had to say one guy is going to win, you know, cover the faces. You know, here's the resumes. Who wins? And you, everybody would be pointing to the Naito resume before anybody else. So it's from that point, I totally get that, and I ain't mad at nobody for it. I'll just say this. Um, Naito is is a guy that is is going to be interesting because he feels like he he's not that far away from being the next Tanahashi. And I don't even want, I hate to even put that out there, but oh boy, <laughs> look, father father time's undefeated. Okay, I just don't want him to get into a scenario where he's in the G1, he wins it, and now it's at Wrestle Kingdom, and he comes out and brings a C-minus game. I don't want to see that. Yeah. Okay? I'd much rather have, in this case, a Jeff Cobb, who's basically the guy that I'm still kicking myself. Stupid, stupid, stupid. (laughs) I cannot believe I did not put, well, at least in BFR, I didn't pick Jeff Cobb in in our uh, bracket. Even though I picked Yoda Suji to win every match, I got Jeff Cobb doing well. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so in that case, it kind—I of, think it balanced itself out. But you, I guess the point with Jeff Cobb to me is like this is a guy that was kind of laying in the weeds for a little bit. You know, it wasn't too far long ago that he was, you know, basically running the block undefeated, and then had to yep. lose to Okada in the final night to cough up the block. Eight in a row is still eight in a row in the G1. I don't care how you want to slice for the dice, and I don't care what the, the, no doubt. the predicament was where Jeff Cobb did it. He did it. Now, if Sonata, I believe he has to win the next two and then win the quarterfinal, that would either tie or break it. I think it would break it at that point. Neither here nor there is something to kind of look at. Uh, Jeff Cobb is one of the guys that I think he's – I'll just say it. I think he's my MVP. I know you you said Kaito. Okay. Um, I'll go with Jeff I ain't Cobb mad about one. that pick. I, Bill pressured me on it and last night, and I was a little too baked to, you know, I gave like five other names. <laughs> but if you're going to put me down to one, I'll go with Jeff Cobb. <laughs> like I said, he's the guy that you you probably should have said his name, if, and I'm guilty as of myself. He's been the guy that's really just been – I won't say tied down, but just been going other directions, not really focused back on the title again after the G1 loss or whatever the case may be. Tag matches, great O'Conn, then he, you know, he's chasing ZSJ. I think this was not much, not so much of a gentle reminder of how good Dash 
great Jeff Cobb can be at any given point. Right now, leading the block, I think he's going to be, him and ZSJ are going to have to, you know, battle it out. And obviously, he has the tiebreaker over ZSJ. So, Zach's going to need a little help to get, at least if he wants to win the block. The great part about this, you got the second runner-up spot, so he doesn't necessarily have to win it. He's just going to have to make sure he can keep pace, I guess, making sure Nido doesn't – Nido's going to have to run, make a run, win all the matches, and ZSJ is going to have to probably lose a second before we even start talking about other guys getting into this mix. To me, three-horse race, Nido, ZSJ, and obviously Jeff Cobb. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I don't think anyone else has a shot other than those three. And yeah, I couldn't. I can't be mad about a Cobb MVP pick. Obviously, he's four and zero. The Zach match is probably a top five match of the tournament for me. I loved it. I thought it was the best of their three. Um, with Cobb finally getting that W over him, um, so maybe we see yet another te- television title match after this potentially. Um, Zach also may be defending that at All In potentially against Samoa Joe or Orange or Orange Cassidy. I know there's been some stuff there as well um but yeah and then zach as well you know he's amazing i've said it on our text group you know about a month ago yeah and maybe when we talked about it last episode a month ago probably (laughs) that he's on my short list for wrestler of the year the guy's just so damn good and i think his character work has you know finally caught up to his ring work like he's just so funny he's in command of tmdk he's got the ichiban sweet boy kosei fujita with him which he's amazing too at 20 years old you know big things to come for that guy no doubt about it but mm. yeah um it, this one as well will be interesting not as many guys in the mix but to see one of Zach Cobb and Naito not make the the playoffs, it's going to be a tough blow. I mean, I thought Naito coming in, you know, had a chance to win this thing solely because of Sonata being the one waiting there as the world champ. And, right. you know, that's been how many times on how many shows in the past few months have we seen some combination of just five guys and LIJ going up against each other. It's like, it's almost been too much, but you know, I mentioned earlier, we could potentially get Shingo Sonata here in the tournament. We could potentially get Naito Sonata, whether it be in the tournament, maybe at Wrestle Kingdom, probably not, but it's at least a possibility. Um, man, gun to my head right now. I don't even know who I'd pick out of these two, out of these three. Obviously, Naito and Zach still have to face off. There's a lot of history there. Naito's got Tana, as we mentioned as well, and then Coughlin. Um, Zach has Naito, Goto, and Haste, and then Cobb has Goto, Yano, upset alert, and Haste. <laughs> I mean, let's be real. Let's be, let's be real, though, bitch. about Let's be real. Yano does not have a win, and he always <sighs> upsets someone every single year. Dude, dude, so why you put that out see, there, man? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I know what you're saying. Oh, man. Man, I don't know who I'm... <sighs> Gun to my head, I'll go Cobb and Naito going through. What about you? I'm still sticking with Cobb and ZSJ. Naito and... Okay. This is where, I guess, because... I think I, whoever... Real quick, I think whoever wins that match between Naito, Naito and, and Zach, ZSJ... And I don't one, know if yeah. it's the last night, but yeah, I think that's... Uh, probably a win I, and move on type I think, of deal. I think it is the last night. I would, I'm and not that would make a lot of sure, sense. But... Yeah. I could see now Naito going on this run, 
getting to eight points. Zach is at six, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he is right now. Okay, so he would have to lose at least one time, win another. He would have to split these next two matches. Naito wins the next two matches. So there you go. That's your situation to get them at eight points apiece where the last match, if they, and I'm pretty sure that's the case, they face each well, other you in the final. Well, you could still have Zach at 10 and Naito at eight, and then Naito beating him, he would have yeah, the tiebreaker. tiebreaker so. Yeah, you could go that. Either way, you're going to have ZSJ. It feels like Jeff Cobb is kind of separating himself a smidgen right now as we speak, separating himself a smidgen because he has the uh, – the tiebreaker over both. Oh, I, I just thought of something. Sorry to cut you off, no, but I'm thinking back to the 28, I think it was the 2018 G1. It was Zach and Naito on the final night and Zach fucking beat him. I remember it was a massive Zach driver, got the win and it knocked Naito out. So you talk about receipts <laughs> five years down the line, your boy <laughs> getting his revenge over Zach Saber jr. I that's what I'm going with. I'm going to say Cobb wins and Naito finishes second. Okay. Okay. I'm good. I will be. I know you ain't going to be mad about that. <laughs> but I, and I mean, I fucking love Zach so much. Like, I want to see him through. But again, like, just tough having one of these guys not in it because I think they're all deserving. Now, I was going to say N-word, please. Of course, I want to see that happening. Um <laughs> Any last thoughts on nine nights of G1? I know we kind of flashed through it and we just talked blocks, but just overall thoughts, anything you don't want to leave on the table before we move on to stardom? Well, I'll address the time limit because that was something I wasn't thrilled about, you know, when it was first announced, but I'm obviously here for it. It's certainly like the TV title, you know, it kind of just makes things more exciting inherently by having that time limit. Although I do feel it has put somewhat of a ceiling on some, on the match quality. You know, I feel like most years we would always get, and in 2018, hell, there were probably like five, five-star matches in the tournament alone, but well, there's always a handful of them. Um, I don't have any at this point. I know you had Okada Osprey there. I was right on the doorstep, but I think it has slightly limited the ceiling on match quality. However, I think what it's made up for in excitement, you know, I'm definitely for it. So it's been been a lot of fun and then just want to say since we didn't talk about him specifically Shane Haste you know we mentioned the big upset over uh, Naito guy's awesome he's so funny so charismatic great character and he's wrestled and Nichols as well like I said both those guys have far exceeded my expectations from just a work rate standpoint because I'll be honest I was like why are these guys in it and then I think they probably got the Aussie open spots mm. like I'm almost certain Fletcher and Davis would have been in here by how great they each were in the New I, Japan Cup. I couldn't Cup. agree more. So, kudos to the TMDK boys for really stepping up and, you know, you know, seizing this opportunity. So, no, I, I couldn't um, agree more. That's, no, but I, yeah. I, I didn't even think of that until you just said that. Now I'm just kind of like, yeah, yeah, I could totally see Davis and fucking uh, Kyle Fletcher in this shit. Because they, they both... In, their own individual ways have earned it at that point. So yeah, that makes total sense. And like you said, 
they see Shane Haste obviously with the big win over uh, Naito. You're never going to be able to take that away from his ass. And I've always thought he was an underrated kind of guy to begin with. You just never really saw him or Mikey Nichols by themselves. Ishii and Mikey Nichols I thought was good, and obviously him and Hanari, you know, got uh, got it on in that first night of that uh, CD block action, and uh, you know, showing some color. So I mean, Mikey Nichols and Shane Hayes as a combination, I think play off each other really well individually. You can see their individual styles kind of sh- step up and shine a little more. So yeah, I get, I didn't even think about Aussie Open until you said that. Kudos to them, and kudos to the Aussie Open by the way for winning the ROH. Tag Team Championships. Thank you for reassuring me that you are my Tag Team of the Year, no matter what the fuck happens. On that lovely <laughs> note, let's move along to it. We'll start them. We're going to kind of skip away from the Midnight, uh, well, Midnight, the Midsummer's uh, Dream uh, show. Obviously, uh, myself and uh, others of us talked on, on the text thread about this show itself. Mirai wins the championship back from, well, I shouldn't say wins the championship back. Mirai wins the white belt title away from Tam. Um, this was obviously a controversial move. We discussed this on the last show, and I haven't forgot about the music. I'm setting it up just before you say <laughs> something. Um just quick thoughts on the Mirai winning of the white belt. Does it, you, your biggest gripe was, or one of the biggest gripes you had was that it would make Tam look weak. Do you look at Tam differently? What did you think about the match? Match was good. You know, I think I, I can't remember if I went four or four and a quarter, but it was good. You know, not great, but good stuff for sure. I'm happy Mirai won. I think she is deserving of having that championship. Obviously, you know my thoughts. I never thought Tam should have been double champ, let alone red belt champ to begin with. And unfortunately, she has just been, uh, for me, it's not her fault, but I'm just not interested in her at all, period, right now. Um, I just think the booking has completely taken me off of her. Um, She's obviously great. We know that. Um, I'm just not interested. You know, we'll see how things shake out. But, you know, obviously we know how I feel about Julia and her still needing to have that belt. I just think it was wrong time. You know, not the wrong person necessarily, given, you know, the feud that they've had. But I'm just, you know, I'm not going to say she can't win me back because she is very, very talented and really good. But I'm just not on board with it right now. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where I stand. But, uh, you know, slowly, obviously, getting back more into stardom. You had mentioned, you know, this tournament being the perfect opportunity. No angles, just wrestling. And, you know, the first night of the five-star I thought was excellent, save the injury, the unfortunate injury by Saya Kamatani against Tam. I think dislocated elbow and maybe even something else. So I'm sure she'll be out. <laughs> You'd be, be God out damn, it's like you read my mind sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but she, she, she's unfortunately going to be out for a while, and I thought she was someone that had a pretty damn good chance of winning this or at least making the final. So unfortunate that she had to withdraw. But overall, I thought that show was excellent, highlighted specifically by Shuri and Suzu Suzuki. And story, I don't know, being the top two matches. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed this show top to bottom and uh, excited to see how this tournament plays out. You know, you had mentioned it's not quite the grind that the G1 is. You know, it's a lot more spread out. 
you know, some nights they'll just be like one tournament match or two. Obviously, this one had, what, 10? And I think there may be another show or two like this. But, um, yeah, strap me in. I'm ready to, you know, ready to dig into this shit and see who wins it because I don't know who it's going to be. But, yeah, definitely a great opening first night. Uh, We kind of talked about this between you and I, talking about you know what do we want to talk about for the next episode or whatever you asked me flat out who do i i have winning the whole tournament you know who wins the block and then obviously who wins it all so we're going to jump obviously to the five star uh grand prix 2023 started off on the 23rd of this month let's go down the block so that way we're all on the same page and then that way you can see why i say who i say is going to win the blocks and the overall tournament Red side of the block, um, Tam, you had Saya Comatini, obviously, like uh, Brett said, dislocated elbow. You know, ho- hopefully she gets back soon and gets back to action. But an unfortunate incident when – well, we'll talk about that when we talk about the match itself because I, I was like, girl, don't you do that shit. And I was like, God <laughs> damn it, son of a bitch. Yeah, um, definitely a shame. Yeah, damn shame because – this, that with her in it, it'd have been a lot more interesting. It's still going to be interesting regardless. Um, Starlight Kid, Hazuki, Suzu Suzuki, um, Mayu Utani, Suzuri, uh, Shuri, I'm sorry, um, Natsupoi, uh, Katsu, and Ami Sure are on the red block side. Uh, the blue block side, Julia, Micah, Momo Watatambi, uh, Azumi, uh, Mina Shirakawa, Utami, obviously, the odds on favor. We'll talk about that here in a second. Soriano, uh, Mirai, Mariah May, and Hanan on the B block side. So two blocks of 10, uh, red block winner meets B block winner. And then that's who you have as your overall champion. I said coming into it, I, I was going to stick with my pick, even though I've seen a lot of people say Utami feels like the odds on pick and it makes total sense i can't sit up here and argue anything for it but i'm going to stick to my guns and stick to a a person that i said it was going to win it and has been booked fairly strong up to this point a a couple of hiccups in the generational struggle uh matches but i still say it's going to be micah on the b block side She's going to have to face Utami at some point, and they're going to have to get it on. That's going to be probably one of the matches of the tournament. On the red block side, I'm going with Shuri. I uh, think it's a safe – I won't say a safe bet, but Tam, Shuri, and Mayu, I think, are the three that really stand out. I don't even want to put Hazuki out there because they <laughs> broke my heart with her last year. If she wins it, great. I'll be the first one, you know, running up on the fucking mic. Like, I told you so, motherfuckers, but I'm just not going to do it. You broke my heart last year. She's going to have to prove it to me this time around. Shuri just seems like somebody that has kind of gone away from a little bit since losing the red belt. And now – I think this is a perfect time to, especially now, unfortunately, with no Comatini on the red block side, it takes one less person that could possibly win the red block. So, like I said, I got Shuri on the red block side, Micah on the B block side, and I'm taking Micah to win the whole goddamn thing. 
I can definitely see that happening, but your reasoning for Shuri getting out of the block is the exact reason why I'm picking you, Tommy, to win it. Um, I think, you know, she's obviously been away from the red belt even longer with Shuri, the one to take it off her at the end of 2021. And she's really kind of, I'm not going to say been lost in the shuffle because she's not, but she hasn't really been in the red belt picture of late. I can't even remember. She may have challenged Shuri once during that reign, or maybe it was, they had the tournament match, but uh, she's just too good to be away from it for this long, you know? Uh, and again, similar similar with Shuri, like you said, but it's been a year longer for Utami. Mm-hmm. Um, both of them, I think Utami won it in 2020, won the tournament in 2020, and Shuri in 2021. Yep. So yeah, they're and they're both obviously two of the top stars in the company. Um, so I'm taking Utami over... And you know, you know, I said it, but I'm I'm sticking with Hazuki in the final. I think you know she had that incredible run last year to start, and then fell off down the stretch. Um, so that's again, it's a bit of a homer pick, but uh, I you know I think they, they would definitely elevate her for sure, even just to get to the final. Um, and however, I do think if Saya were healthy, I feel like a de- it could have been a decent chance of Utami versus Saya mm-hmm. in the final, especially given everything that's happened with them lately, you know, back to that cage match uh, where there was the dissension between the two and is Saya going to turn? And ultimately she did not. And, you know, helped the Queens quest team win and stay together. So I think that would have made perfect sense for a final and is a damn shame. You know, if that were the plan, it's a damn shame that, that's you know kind of pushed to the side for now but um and obviously can't overlook julia no doubt about it but you know of course i would be thrilled to see her go back to back but i just don't necessarily see it happening but yeah so i will go you tommy over hazuki in the final okay there you go on the record so let's talk about the first show the opening night so far um and I'll just rattle off the winners, and then from that point, you can talk about whomever stood out to you. Obviously, I know a couple of matches that we're going to talk about for sure. Um, in order of wins, uh, you had Micah winning the opener over Hanan. Uh, Mariah May beating uh, Azumi. Nice win for Mariah May. I thought she looked strong Absolutely. there. Um, Absolutely. Nakatsu over Ami Saray. Uh, Natsupoi over uh, Starlight Kid, Utami beats uh, Shirakawa, Momo Watatami beats Mirai, it's, uh, asterisk there obviously for obvious reasons, uh, Shuri over Suzu Suzuki, Iwatami over Hazuki, Julia and Soriano battle to a draw, <laughs> Jesus Christ, and then, then in the main event you had Tam winning obviously by referee decision or referee stoppage because uh, Kamatini gets hurt jumping off of a light staff, Jesus, that Go ahead. I'm uh, <laughs> which whoever whoever you like to start with, my friend. Go right ahead. Yeah, like I said, my top two matches were both Shuri versus Suzu and Julia and Soriano, both at four and a half stars. Man, it's nice to see Suzu Suzuki back. Obviously, she's been you know in some trios matches with like Micah and someone you know just kind of random mat you know teammates because clearly the other prominence members are not around right now so she's kind of on her own but I mean what more do we have to say about her she's what 20 or 21 and just one of the best I would say one of the best wrestlers in the world not just women she's just incredible 
She's the future of women's wrestling over there. Uh, obviously, she came up a little short, but this was an 11-minute just fucking battle where they beat each other pillar to post. Um, I think it was a first-time matchup. I don't remember them yes. tangling before this. I believe it was. Um, but it was just outstanding. And then you mentioned the draw between Julia and Soriano. I think I even liked that a little bit better. Very similar. You know, Julia put her through a table at one point, as as is her trademark. Um, but Soriano, man, that's someone we'd never really seen before recently when she came in the fold. And she's been awesome. And she stood toe-to-toe with the best, in my opinion, and, uh, you know, really excited to see how her tournament shapes up because clearly they've got big plans for her if they're, you know, giving her even a draw against Julia. That's, mm-hmm. you know, that's pretty big. So um, those were definitely the two top matches for me. Then I had Mayu and Hazuki and then Yutami and Mina, both at four and a quarter as the next two down. <clears throat> Yeah, I thought Mariah May beating Azumi in 651 was very good and a bit surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, and then similarly, Nats Boy and Starlight Kids, 7 minutes, 23 seconds. That was just your classic high-speed style match. You know, tons of roll-ups, very fast-paced counters, good stuff there. Um, but yeah, very, very fun night of competition. So where do you stand on uh, kind of your top matches? Um, I have two tied at my top rating, uh, Suzu versus Shuri at 475, and then obviously Soriano and Julia at that same 475 spot. Uh, okay, so you were a quarter above me. On, I mean, I can't, I can't be mad about that. They were both amazing. No, I, I, honestly, just I didn't think that the – the Suzu Shuri match was as good, but it was just different. I had to watch that a second time. I watched the actually, I watched this twice. I, I was kind of half watching oh, nice. it the first time, but then I dug into it a second time. And I was like, okay, this is the time I'm gonna actually give this a star, at least star rings the second time around. So yeah, I got those two at my two top uh, four seven five. Then I got Mayu uh, Hazuki at four and a half. Uh, Utami Mina four and a quarter, and then uh, Azumi and Mariah May at four stars. So I got one, two, three, four, five matches of nine at four or more stars. Yeah, I think I had Azumi and Mariah at three, seven, five, and then Mirai Momo either three, seven, five, or four. I can't remember. So yeah, we're we're on pretty similar uh, wavelengths here per usual. No, I was going to say. I'm, the only thing I was going to say, and obviously we can't, I want to talk too much more about stardom because I want to keep things moving along, but I just wanted to get, get this out there. There are like dark horse women that could possibly sneak in the back door. You want to throw out somebody that's a dark horse on either side or just a or dark horse in general that if somebody slips up, this person can, can slide in and, and do some damage, maybe take a spot from somebody else. I mean, admittedly, I think my finals pick of Hazuki is kind of a dark horse pick, you know, in general. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mentioned, I mean, Soriano, you know, like we just mentioned, clearly they're high on her. Suzu as well. I mean, <laughs> we know how great she is, so it wouldn't shock me if she made it through that red red block. But um, I would say those would be my top two kind of dark horsey outside of Hazuki. Um I- I was thinking Suzu or Starlight Kid. It, to me, it's going to be somebody that's on the red block side because if I if I had to take a guess, 
the Saya Kamatini spot is just automatic points. It would be like the way they did it yeah. when Naito got hurt. So somebody, so whenever that person comes up in that spot, that's an automatic two points. Yep. Suzu is that is correct. Suzu is going to be the somebody I think is going to be in that mix, and Starlight Kid is to me on the cusp. I think she just she needs that next big win to at least have her in the conversation of you know at least white belt. I don't think she's in the red belt conversation just yet. White belt seems no. a little more realistic and something that could be more attainable. I think somewhere Absolutely. in this tournament, maybe not win the block. But somewhere in this tournament, she's going to get a win over somebody that you probably don't see coming. Maybe it's Mayu on the last night. She hasn't beat her straight up in a singles match. That might be a little bit of a stretch, but neither here nor there. Um, let's jump to the end of the the uh, the show itself because there was a a couple of angles, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, that we need to kind of talk about. So, obviously... Um, Saya Kamatini is carted off, unfortunately, with this dislocated elbow, and she's going to be obviously out of the tournament. Tam Nakano comes in the ring and starts cutting a, a promo. Not sure what she said because I haven't seen the subtitled version of it, but the lights go out, and then she gets attacked by this. I was just going to call her an Amazon as I looked at her in the ring. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? Megan Bain apparently comes over from America to attack Tom Nakano. Uh, Utami accompanies her to the ring. And I'm like, okay, now this is now, it went from literally my heart is broken. I'm not sure what the fuck is happening to now. What the fuck is happening? Oh, this is getting real interested. What's this shit? So you have Megan Bain just throwing Tam around like a little rag doll and Utami coming out with her. So I'm thinking, is this Queen's Quest? Is this Utami breaking off on her own? What's going on? So you have essentially two matches coming up, both title matches. Utami calls out Mayu Utami. She's going to challenge for the IWG. GP Women's Championship. I just said on Twitter that watching this show, it's about time that Mayu has a title defense. She has won it, but just kind of held on to it. Perfect time for a title defense. Utami calls her out, and obviously Megan Bain destroys Tam Nakano. So we'll just make it a two-part question. Um, familiar with Megan Bain at all? And or were you? what did you think about the final angle after uh, Saya got hurt? So I'll be honest, I did not see it initially because it was a situation when I finished the show and I had to go somewhere. So I actually (laughs) turned it off before this, but I did see in retrospect that it had happened, but I didn't see the video. I just saw like pictures of it and heard that it happened. So I did not actually see it, but I'm here for it. And Megan Bain is someone I was not familiar with, uh, but definitely should uh, be an interesting matchup for Tam, that's for sure. And then, obviously, who could get mad about Utami versus Mayu for the what seems to be a non-existent IWGP Oof. Women's Championship? Um, yeah. I so, guess I was being nice on that one. <laughs> well, it, again, when they introduce the strong women's title, it's like, do we really need both? I mean, 
Obviously, you know, was happy to see Willow, you know, have that showcase with Julia. Obviously, I'm thrilled to see Julia with the belt, but it just almost seems like overkill to have two New Japan Women's Championships to me personally. But I'm certainly not going to complain about the match, like I said. So, yeah, I'm intrigued. Uh, just a quick sidebar before we move to uh, little pro wrestling Noah and close out with DDT. Julia is going to defend the uh, New Japan Strong Women's title against you. I believe that's August 14th at the Stardom uh, by Stardom show. So something to put in the back of your mind. We said that you were somebody that we wanted to see a little more of, and now you're going to bring her over to face Julia, and we're going to put some gold on the line. I'm a little interested to see how that shit is going to work oh, out. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, you is a fucking beast, and she's not Nene Takahashi, <laughs> who I will give some credit to for whatever that show that you had mentioned that had the Mirai Tam had the match against Starlight Kid that was actually pretty good, and she actually didn't scream her head off the whole time. Um, so I'll give her a touch of credit there. But, yeah, Julia you strap me in, baby. That should be a good one. Yeah, that was the Midsummer Champions uh, show. Um Strap match, uh, Soriano and Natsupoy as the right, main yeah. event. So we didn't talk about that. Thank you for bringing that up. Any other stardom thoughts that we want to discuss before we move over to another five star instant classic? No, sir. Let's do it. Wasn't uh, sure which one I wanted to pick, but I figured you got to pick the winner, right? Can never be mad about hearing this song. That's going to say, because both guys showed their ass. And <laughs> this is a match that I was really looking forward to because I admittedly don't know that much about All Japan, but I've seen Kento Miyahara come in. And at least Brett has introduced me to Miyohara a handful of times where I've seen him in matches. So now, you know, I've gotten that fever. I'm kind of looking at all Japan. I'm like, are we getting ready to do this subscription dance here, buddy? That was six dollars. We're looking at each other from a distance. I'm like, I think I'm going to go in, you know, cover me. How's my breath? So this was obviously a a build to the one night stand uh, the dream show. I, I didn't write down the date. I apologize for that, but neither here nor there. Obviously, Miyahara and Nakajima have had history in the past. I believe they were uh, tag team partners at one point. They, when they both came up in the Kensuke office promotion, which was Kensuke Sasaki's promotion, and I think it more morphed into Diamond Ring. So they Thank came you. up together under Kensuke Sasaki's tutelage. Um, what's his name? Fucking Masa Kitamiya, also part of that crew. So, yeah, a lot of history back in the day between these two. They never liked each other. Clearly, they still don't. Kento fucking drops him with a slap at the press conference. You know, a definite dream match for, you know, folks who are aware of these two guys, knowing the history. They'd mixed it up in a tag match, you know, a month or so ago, and it was real fucking heated. So that all kind of set the table for this one where I had no idea who was going to win this match. Mm -hmm. And the crowd was lit. It was uh, insane. Cork and Hall, obviously. It's a match I've wanted to rewatch. I haven't had the chance. Uh, just so much wrestling going on and right. just with the work schedule. Uh, but I will certainly be rewatching it at some point. But my God, it was just, it was perfect. It was so fucking good, so heated, so intense, so stiff. 
Mm. And uh, our boy Nakajima getting, I'd say, a bit of a surprising win. I mean, obviously, he is the Noah guy. This is a Noah show. But I kind of was leaning towards uh, Kento picking up the dub here. So I was uh, pleasantly surprised. And, uh, yeah, just what a fucking banger this was. No, I, I agree with the fact that I, I think we we both said it was five stars, correct? Let's just get that off. The yeah. Okay. And Meltzer, Meltzer went five and a quarter. Okay, so <laughs> just, he broke the fucking scale. I'm not mad at him for it because I mean, by the end, I was just like, "Oh my god, this is just you know." I, I was physically exhausted watching these jokers beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> Miyahara has really just, like I said, he's the guy that's obviously the ace of all Japan, and. I can honestly say the only reason I haven't really dove into it is because I just don't know really where to start or, you know, who's this or who's that. There's not a starting point for me that feels like, okay, we can start here and move forward. Otherwise, I've done it. And this is probably the reason why, because Miyahara is just that good. To me, this is another. When we started this pod, you know, maybe basically almost a year or so ago. One of the things we talked about in that very first episode was the hope that you would get guys from other promotions because we kind of tinkered it a little bit. You know, Forbidden Door was, you know, a thing at this point, but we wanted to see more of it. I think we're going to see more of it, and we see stuff like this, this shit right here. This is going to be the precursor. <laughs> N-word. This is going to be the precursor of a lot more things to come. I thought this was one of the best matches of the year. I wasn't surprised that Nakajima won just for the simple fact of it, it was a Noah show. If this was an all-Japan show, I would expect Nakajima to do the job. It didn't. It wouldn't hurt either one, and it doesn't hurt either one. For If Nakajima would have lost, it wouldn't have been a big deal. I think that... Plus the fact that the N1 is on the horizon. I think that was the the two contributing factors of him going over. If Mirahara would have won, I wouldn't have blinked. I would have probably been excited about that too. I like both guys and they came out and just beat the shit out of each other for like, what, 38 minutes and some change. So yeah, one of the best matches of the year as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it was phenomenal. Yeah, like the chemistry was off the charts. Again, I mentioned the crowd, hot, hot, hot Corican mm. crowd. You know, the last five, six minutes, just breathtaking counters, striking, you know, just the, that crescendo of like, what the fuck is going to happen here? Um, and yeah, it was just tremendous. And I can't imagine we're not going to see a rematch, you know, and probably a trilogy at some point. So maybe they do it on all Japan turf next, oh, you yeah. know, and then Kaito gets the dub and then. You know, maybe the the New Year show, the Noah New Year, when they usually do like on January first mm-hmm. or you know right right around that time, you know, is obviously one of their biggest shows of the year. I could kind of see them building, you know, towards that trilogy there. So because you know we talk about receipts, you know, Kento ain't going to be fucking happy about this one, especially after dropping Nakajima's ass at the press conference and coming up on the short end of the stick here. So uh, definitely uh, we'll be keeping our eyes peeled for uh, a rematch between these two fucking stalwarts. No doubt. Um, Noah had a second show. uh, I believe it was the Sunny Voyage show. uh, The main event there being uh, the little brother of... Go ahead. Yeah, Atsuki Aoyagi versus Hayata. I did not watch it, but did you? I did watch it. Um, I thought it it was a scenario where 
Well, for, did Hayato win? I'm guessing. Yes. Um, Son of a bitch. But no, not not surprising. Not, no, obviously. not at all. And that's I think ultimately that's where our, um, I'm going with it. It was just the fact that I was just curious to see if they were going to pull off the all Japan guy comes in and takes the title away from the Noah guy. I've had a good guess that they weren't going to do it, but if they were, if they were going to do it, this felt like someone that could come in and it wouldn't be that big of a deal. It would be something that it would be, you know, benefit both sides. It's not like Hyatt hasn't had this title, you know, once or twice. Hell, he's won it five too fucking much, times. Too much. So at yeah. this point, you know, I would have been like, you know, just pass the fucking blunt. Let's let somebody else hit it. <laughs> Didn't happen. Uh, it was like 19, 20 minutes. I gave it four stars. Um, if you get a chance, go ahead. If you don't, don't. To me, the match that you, you probably want to see is our boys from the GLG all GLG gets together in a 10-man match against Alejandro, Suji Kongo, Enaba, um, Manabu Soya, and Yoki Osha. So, yeah, that one I thought was probably the more entertaining of the bunch, but that uh, the junior heavyweight title match was obviously the main event. So, like I said, unfortunately for us, not happening in that scenario. Um, just want to go over to N1 block really quick, and then you can talk about DDT to close this out. Sounds good. So N1 is obviously coming up. It's going to start August the 6th. Same setup as the New Japan G1, two blocks of, I believe it's 10 guys. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight seven, on each eight side. Seven, 16 guys, yeah. So A block, B block side. On the A block side, you have Jake Lee, Keno, Masaki Amiya, Jack Morris, Inamura, Timothy Hatcher, Adam Brooks uh, and Yuki Yokiosha, two new names. I've seen Adam Brooks. I haven't seen Yuki Yoshioka. I believe he's all Japan. So another way. To he is, I just looked. He's Dragon Gate. Gate. Okay. That is not a that is not a name I was familiar with. Okay. So, another name. Brooks and Brooks. I just have seen like in the lead up matches. He looks like a, a badass motherfucker. I think he's Australian. Mm, yeah, that was going to say sounds right. He definitely uh, st- stood out and looked the part. So, yeah, a couple of names we didn't know about. Yoki Osha, Dragon Gate. I thought uh, Yumi Anzai is our boy from He's all Japan. Japan. Yeah. So, the B-block, Yumi Anzai, Lance Anawai. I uh, believe he was in MLW for a while. Still might be, but that's the last time I saw yeah, him was and, in MLW. He's part of the Roman Reigns family, right? The NOI, like that's the same. Like I'm guessing they're cousins, right? One and the same. So the bloodline yeah. creeps over into pro yeah. wrestling. Noah, Saxon Huxley, Dika Inaba, Manabu Soya. Yes, thank you. It's about damn time he gets some sort of push. Uh, Hio Del Wagner Jr., Nakajima, and Gio Shiozaki are your eight guys on the B block. So let's do it. Who you got? Shit, man. I don't really know. <laughs> I think because I feel like the champion isn't always in the tournament. I think in the past, like maybe sometimes, but I don't think the champ is always in it. So, and Jake Lee obviously, you know, hasn't lost a singles match since coming into Noah earlier this year. Um, you know, I think he, you know, obviously proclaimed he was going to win it. I don't think that's going to happen, but. 
I mean, other than that, A block is definitely a little leaner, I think. I mean, outside of Jake Lee, like, I don't really see anyone other than Keno taking that. So, and then on the B block, I mean, it's tough. I'm going to say, I'm going to go Keno to win the whole thing over, (laughs) let's fucking do it over Nakajima. Yes! Let's fucking go. Yes! <laughs> Rematch of my 2021 match of the year, yes! which was the 60 which was the 60 minute draw and then also that it, this would be a rematch of the 2021 final which Nakajima won, which was like a 19-20 minute just fucking slugfest that I've probably watched that match like 10 times. Uh, yeah, fuck it. Let's go Keno over Nakajima. That's, you ex- got? that's exactly what I said, especially after the draw oh, they, just, they just had. I, I, I would be really surprised to see them get away from that. And I agree. I think this is just Keno's turn to face Jake Lee. No disrespect to Nakajima. He's already done it. Hell, he was the first to, to do it and unfortunately didn't get it done. So I just Boy, think he'll that- likely he'll likely have to beat Jake too to get there. One would think, you know, cause I don't think Jake's going to lose more than, I mean, definitely not more than two matches, but maybe two is, even two one. Is, well, yeah. Two is, I think is a stress. Cause like if, if Keno beats Jake, he could still have one loss and then would obviously have the tiebreaker. Cause Keno's probably not going to run the table. So, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting. Okay, August sixth, that kicks it off. Six to September third. Obviously, we'll talk about that as we get closer to it. Probably in a couple weeks, it'll actually start. I will let you do the DD portion of the program because obviously, that's I won't say not my bag, baby, but not my forte. I will cue <laughs> up your music, and you can go right ahead. Oh, oh, yeah. My favorite theme in all of wrestling, and I know I've told you, I think I've said it on this show. Anytime I hear it, I turn my TV up to 100. It makes me want to run through a fucking wall. (laughs) And Chris motherfucking Brooks is our new KOD Openweight Champion, besting Yuji Hino in 21 minutes, 4 seconds. I watched this a uh, little buzz, a little stoned after work the other night, and I was dialed the fuck in for this one. I was on, I was on the edge of my seat the whole time. Um, I was again, wasn't sure who was going to win this one. Uh, Hino obviously had the big title win over my boy Higuchi earlier this year in what was a five star match, and then Chris Brooks defeated Higuchi in the King of DDT tournament final in what I had as a five star match. Um, I had this one at four seven five, um, and I was just riveted, man. First off, what about the the size differential? You know, Brooks is six foot four beanpole. Yuji right. Hino is a five foot ten bowling ball. Jesus like Christ. you always think Hino is way bigger than he actually is, mm. but he's only five foot ten. And man, that really, really stood out in this match just overall. But so much fun. I mean, Hino, what can you say about the guy? He's dripping with charisma, the facial expressions. Like how many times was he just smiling throughout this match? Just Even having a good fucking end. time. We yeah. even right towards the end where it's like, you know, is Chris Brooks getting ready to do this shit? I, 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 didn't, <laughs> I didn't have any idea. I purposely didn't because I knew even with, not even knowing that we were going to talk about this. We had seen I'd seen him enough and we had talked enough DDP. I knew who Chris Brooks was that my 
interest was already peaked. So I knew I was going to watch this match. So I purposely didn't want to know who won this match. As I'm watching it, I'm like, dude, this motherfucker is getting ready to get finished off and he's turned around at Chris Brooks and smiling at him. That's got to be like, man, what the fuck do I got to do? What? God damn. And by this point, Chris Brooks had thrown everything. Jay Driller, the uh, the submission that put out Higuchi in the final can't put yep. out the uh he know here i'm just like dude what the fuck i don't know what to tell you dog <laughs> you know he kicked brooks kicked out of the power bomb which is what beat uh higuchi so yeah again it was one of those scenarios that you know the last three four five minutes taking you on a ride what the fuck is gonna happen here and yeah brooks ends up fucking planting him again with that jay driller for the victory but man yeah this is another one i can't wait to watch again because you know Sometimes with matches, when you're in the moment watching it, some of them just hit you harder than others. And this was one of those. I just had the perfect combination of alcohol, weed, and lack of sleep. And what? And my roommate was watching it with me because he gets home from work late too. Uh, so he'd never seen either of these guys. He was loving it. Uh, but That's yeah, just a, a very, very fun, great match. Crowd was really loving both these guys, but yeah. specifically wanting Chris Brooks to win. I don't know if you caught the pre-match video package at all, I but did. it was, it kind of made me think like, I think Chris Brooks is winning this motherfucker because mm-hmm. they made, it was very emotional, you know, about his, you know, he's like, I had offers to leave here. I yep. could have gone to America. Yep. I could have gone wherever, but yep. DDT Japan, they've got my heart. Yep. These fans, yep. you know, they kept like, me going. Oh, they they going to do so, this shit. Yeah, but then even as we're going through the match, I'm like, how's he going to beat this guy? Mm. Who's Like we said, who's smiling at him after he's just been getting his ass beat. Um, so, yeah, just incredible stuff here. Um, and, yeah, the, again, we've talked a lot about, like, DDT versus Noah. And last year, you know, due to the booking of Noah and the hot shouting of the world title, and then Higuchi on the DDT side, one of my favorites being the champ for most of the year. Like I was definitely way more into DDT than Noah last year. Now that is completely flipped this year. You know, I'm not watching nearly as much DDT, but clearly I'll pop in for the big shows, the big matches. And I watched not the whole show because the first few were all like comedy shit, but I of course tuned in to see my guy and Dreza giant pants, <laughs> which I know is not your cup of tea, but he ate, he had to eat his partner <laughs> to sustain. And then he ended up puking him up. <laughs> it was oh. Absurd. Um, but no, this was a very, I guess I watched two, four, six, eight matches. Great stuff. Uh, your boy, Matt Cardona, winning that. the DDT Universal Championship against Tetsuya Endo. It wasn't that great because it was just a lot of heel fuckery and, you know, Steph DeLander getting involved. But it wasn't bad. I, you know, it was just very, very much heel bullshit type of stuff. But Can't Cardona being the DDT. Uh, House of Torture fuckery bullshit, oh, I'm assuming. Yeah, but, but not quite at that level. But, yeah, just a lot of interference, you know, a lot of him in the beginning, like leaving the ring and refusing to fight type of deal. But Hey, kudos to Matt Cardona, man. The guy has continued to get himself over wherever he is, has been outside of WWE, I guess, except AEW, but he never really got much of an opportunity there, but kudos to him. DDT universal champ, but 
Um, aside from that, we'll talk about the Despy match, but then we had Takeshita against his former faction mate, Yuki Ueno, and this is the first time the DDT fans had seen the dark side of Takeshita, the heel Takeshita, who was always, you know, babyface ace right. of the company. Right. So that was interesting to see. Um, and then, yeah, I'll leave it at that for now, but, uh, yeah, so what'd you give uh, Brooks and Hino? I was gave it four seven five. It was it was damn near impossible not to. I mean, the the five would have probably been if this went a little longer. I just it's really it would be really nitpicky to say that there was anything really wrong with it per se. Yeah. Maybe if you wanted to be like it's unrealistic, and I I would even question that. I thought. The two things I took away from it, the opening uh, vignette where you saw Chris Brooks with the kick or whatever, and you just saw it was just like a Rocky montage. And, uh, that's what I was thinking. It was like, he's just practicing this kick. You know, I'm going to beat Hino with this kick. I'm going to beat Hino with this kick. And obviously that came into play. Then during the match, when Chris Brooks took off Hino's shirt and threw it outside, you know, yeah. gave him some chops or whatever, the Hino got Chris Brooks back under control and then got his second to come back in and put my shirt and he put his shirt back on. I'm like, motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dude, great. I don't like you anymore. <laughs> Whoop his ass. If I say you didn't have your shirt on with you, uh, didn't have your shirt on when Gucci was standing across the wing, you was running around here with no shirt on. Okay. So let's not disrespect <laughs> no Chris Brooks on this shit. That's, I mean, I caught myself in that emotion of where the match was getting me emotionally invested where now I picked a side. At first, I didn't give a fuck, you know. I don't really know. I know of Chris Brooks. I've seen Hino a handful of times because you made me watch. I really didn't <laughs> care. You know, let's roll the ball out. Let's see what happens. But once he put that shirt back on, that to me was like the money clip from Okada. I'm like, you motherfucker. God, I hate you right That's now. <laughs> okay, so talk about this uh, Daike Suzuki Desperado match. Did I say that right? Yeah, Dice Case Sasaki. Yeah, I've only got a few minutes here. But, yeah, so these two seem like a lot of personal history. Like, and they were together in Mexico, but they'd never really had a singles match. And then they were on op- opposing tag teams recently and mixed it up, and it was really exciting. And, yeah, so it was definitely a lot of mutual respect in this one. You know, um, I think it was Despy brought out the roses and mm-hmm. gave one to Sasaki. They talked about it being for all this tequila <laughs> and talking about that, you know, all the way throughout the match, which was pretty funny. Uh, but yeah, just overall, again, Despy looking like a star, yeah. getting huge crowd reactions. You know, another kind of emotional match, you know, down the stretch. You know, these two definitely did not hold anything back with one another. Um, you know, Despy fucking stretching him out the whole Oof. time, as he always does, working the knee, working the knee. Um, and, yeah, this one got me pretty fired up by the end, too, with uh, Despy getting the win. I think with the Pinche Loco, if I remember correctly. You are correct. Um, 20-32. But, yeah, again, just so excited to see Despy, you know, just in these high spots here um outside of new japan you know still you know presented like a the star that he is so again like we talked about to start the show i love that we're bookending it with el desperado (laughs) gonna be very intriguing just to see you know how he shakes out from here because clearly he's you know doing things outside of new japan you know he's got the bond with june kasai they've had matches they had incredible matches last year in taka michinoku's promotion so 
I think it's time to get him out of the junior division, as we said earlier. But, uh, yeah, what did you think of the match before we wrap her up? No, I thought it was really good. I, I, I don't see a lot of DDT. Um, Suzaki, I remember seeing earlier in the year. I believe he was on that um, that great Muda show. Uh, yeah. Was, uh, the, uh, the final bye-bye show with him and uh, Keno, if I'm not mistaken, that they had their – I think that's right, yeah. They had the, uh, the, the flaming boot and the Keno kicked mm. – uh, Suzuki, yep. uh, Suzaki with that flaming boot. Sorry. Um, so I, as I was watching, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I remember this dude now. So that, that gave me the connection. And from that point, now the match makes more sense. It's basically two essentially deathmatch guys getting ready to get on and not really having, you know, glass or, you know, all kinds of crazy, you know, weapons or whatever, but it was still a really entertaining match. I gave it four and a half stars. It was, it's it just kind of like you said, and I wanted to watch this a second time. I watched both two times just to, you know, really get into oh, it. Oh, nice. Um, yeah. It just kind of like you said, Desperado is on a level that I don't think a lot of people really appreciate. And it's going to take That's something. That's what I'm saying, yeah. It's going to take something to get him there. Now, whether it's, you know, he announces he's leaving the junior division or he beats, you know, Okada or something like that, it's going to take something like that to get him over the hump. He didn't beat Moxley, which I didn't expect him to, but that's what I'm talking about. It's it would, it's going to take some sort of push, bump, whatever word you want to use to get him to where we want him to go. For sure, for sure. But, hey, I, uh, I got to get going here to work, but this has been fucking awesome. Um, you can find me at Brainbuster Boys. I'll admit I have not been on social media much of late, but we did just drop an episode um, earlier did. this week or end of last week. I don't remember. But, uh, yeah, week. and then we'll be – We'll be reviewing SummerSlam 1994 next week, which should be a very fun one before we get into SummerSlam. So, yeah, check us out. Visionaries Global Media, all podcasting platforms, Twitter and Instagram. Um, But, yeah, can't wait to see how this G1 shakes out. And hopefully we can – I mean, we'll definitely make it happen where we can record – in less than a month this time. So oh, no, I'm we're sure going to we'll definitely com- make it happen in less than a month. I'm right? sure we'll be coming coming at you shortly after the G1 ends. So. For sure. Kenny. Can't wait. Say, say bye-bye, Kenny. <laughs> oh. Goodbye. <laughs> and good night. Bang. Bang. All right. So on that level, we know we will bid you all adieu. Like the man said, check us out on Visionary Global Media Network for Brainbuster Boys, for Good Cop, Bad Cop, all that good shit. We're there to entertain and serve your entertaining purposes, whether it's mixed martial arts, wrestling, Dungeons and Dragons, the whole shebang. We cover it all. Thanks for coming out. Um, for Brett Jager, I'm your other humble host, Jason Cornelius Bell, JCB. Go enjoy some tournaments. There's so much good shit out there. If you got to watch WWE or AEW, go do that too. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to go watch SmackDown here in a little bit. All right, (laughs) y'all. Everybody be safe. We'll see you on the next episode of the Phoenix Splash Podcast.